Come at the king, you best not miss. You're not locked in the zone, zone 32. All right, we're back with the Zone 32 podcast. Um, it's me, Will, Purple Pants, and we're here with uh, Kyrie Irving's number one fan, Nitty. Say what's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? Happy to be here. So Max didn't want to join us because he thinks he's too cool for us, and I'm pretty sure Jake drove off the Pacific Coast Highway after uh, you know last week's debacle. And God knows where Grant is. Uh, who the fuck knows? Grant might be playing outside linebacker for us next week, actually. Yeah, yeah, he, he he's getting ready. He's in the weight room right now. I mean, he's been playing in that men's league for like three years. He might be ready to go. So playbook down, but he's close. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't heard from Grant since last night when uh, George Pickens made that huge catch that resulted in uh, nothing and a loss. So I mean, he may just be still celebrating that he's moment. Watching, he's watching it in a loop right now. You know what I mean? He, he's distracted. <laughs> he's breaking it he's down. Got- yeah. He's got like this Zapruder film going with the uh, George Pickens sketch. He's like, oh, boy, you see here, you know, he didn't really push off his chest. And it's, you know, not really uh, offensive pass interference. It didn't get called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't completely turn the cornerback's uh, momentum the opposite direction of where the ball was coming and then create a much tougher catch for himself that if he had just run the route and caught the ball, maybe he could have scored a touchdown. He, you know, it, it's it's George Pickens. He's, he's an athletic freak. Um, he is the greatest wide receiver who has ever stepped on the field, as we can see from his stats. I called him him Pittsburgh Proche on Twitter, and I got fucking (laughs) – there were so many people so mad at me for that one. I mean, like (laughs) – But it's the same shit. Um, It's a fucking guy who showed out in, you know, preseason, and everybody loves, and then it's just like regular season shows up. It's like, oh, what the fuck is this guy doing? I said this earlier. I think that catch was – I mean – it's a great catch. Very athletic. Uh, you know, I couldn't do it. But I think I'm going to put a number on this. Obviously, it's not a scientific number. But I would say 80% of the wide receivers in the National Football League can make that catch. Yeah, I mean, they're professionals. There's a reason they're in the NFL. If they're on the – okay, and, I, and I'll and i limit it to – like, I'm not talking about is Marquise, is Marquise part of that 80 Marquise's hands are big enough. Only for that. Makes, hold on, hold on. Marquise only makes that catch. If he's wide open running down the sideline, he drops it. Actually, he made a catch not that different from that in the Tennessee playoff game. Yeah. He I made mean, that one handed catch. He did. He did I mean, catch. So Marquise I mean, like, like I said, yeah, that man made some catches that I was like, oh, okay, this is the fucking guy we drafted first round. And then he'd be fucking running nobody within fifteen yards of him and he'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna drop it. Now. Right. He so he's like the shortstop who can make the amazing play up the middle, you know, dive up the middle and make a throw from his knees or go to his backhand and make a jump throw, but he can't make a uh, throw, a play on a ball that's hit directly at him. He boots it or he overthrows a first baseman or he, he puts it in the dirt, whatever. Like he can't make the routine play, but he can make the spectacular play. That's Marquise. You ever play with the kids who are like afraid of the ball, who, you know, like a ball yes. get hit directly at him and they'd fucking panic and like, you know, Tighten up that that was Marquise back up on it, yeah. Back up on it, and yeah, right, exactly. They'd be like, Oh, if I stay on top of this ball, it's gonna hit me in the chest, and that might hurt. Marquise was like, uh, Oh, if I if I hold on to this ball, I might get tackled, so I'm gonna fucking drop it and not get hit, right? Okay, I I don't think I think George Pickens has a skill set that's better than than Hollywood personally, but I mean, yeah, Marquise could never push down an uninvolved corner. No, Uh, I don't don't think he, I don't think he has, he's not doing the pushing. He no. doesn't. Ha- he's de- he definitely doesn't have the physical aspect of what George Pickens does. But 
I'm just saying, I think 80% of NFL wide receivers, if given the opportunity, can make a one-handed catch, you know, falling backwards, whatever. It, but they, not everyone has made that catch. It was, a, it was an impressive play. I'll give him that. But it didn't, do, didn't mean a goddamn thing. Say my biggest, no. my biggest. Uh, I want to say concern because I, I do believe in his talent. I think he's going to be a, a successful player in this league. But my biggest concern with him is his maturity. Um, I don't think that uh, two games into your career you should be complaining or you know calling you know coaching out, even if it's correct, right? Like we all watch it. Like Mitch Trubisky, the coaching. There's some problems in, up there in Pittsburgh, but. You know, two games in, you have to come in with a different type of attitude and kind of earn your keeps. Um, and then also just on the field, right? Like we saw that uh, that throw to the end zone where he went up with one hand. And if he probably went up with two hands, that's a score for your team. You know, was he trying to show off? Was he trying to be on highlights? Who knows? But those are the things I see. And you guys brought up too, like, you know, just uh, his aggressiveness, like just p- picking fights with corners. It's a good good things that come with that, but there's also bad things that come with that. I think once he uh he gets the mental game right, he'll be okay. But you if know, he gets the mental game right, it's Pittsburgh, so if. <laughs> right, yeah, that too. But it's it is an if I think with the mental game because it's not like this isn't new. He got into a fight yeah. on the field in in college that cost him either a half or a full game going into a big game I'm pretty sure if i remember correctly they were going into a game where they were playing a uh a, a uh conference opponent yeah legitimate sec team the thing with him is that I, I feel like a lot of ravens fans are like oh i want george pickens and it's because edc hasn't done shit with wide receivers and so it's almost like it's like that was an attainable wide receiver that we could have had and so people look at it and they're like oh fuck well i want a better wide receiver than you know fucking james proche or tylon wallace or whoever the fuck else we're going to roll out there and so they they you know targeted pickens as the guy that was there at 45 that we could have taken over a jabo and we didn't take him because the was a way better player but I, I i just think that he's kind of like the um the bigger issue is eric tacosa not george pickens People almost fell in love with George Pickens because they wanted a wide receiver, not because he's actually George Pickens. Well, and like you said, it's not necessarily like you're, it's not because it's George Pickens. And it's not even like it is the whole uh, this environment where everyone's dying for us to, to add a wide receiver because we just haven't really done that. Uh, but he was attainable in theory because he was there at 52. We didn't have a pick around 52. We had a pick at 45 and we picked the best player on the board at 45 by far at a position of need for us. Yes, he's hurt, but we know that the guy was before he got hurt, potentially a top 10, definitely a top 15. He was a guy we were targeting at 14 if he was healthy in there. So we, we were able to get that guy at 45 and people were mad that we didn't then. I don't even understand people. I've asked this question on Twitter. I don't know how many times you tell me which picks that we ended up making. Are you willing to give back? In order to package to go in to go up to, to fifty two, and it's not even fifty two; it's ahead. Of, you got to get you got to get in it somewhere between forty six and fifty one because you know Pittsburgh's not going to trade us pick fifty two. So we got to get in somewhere there. There's a couple of were there wide receivers taken in there too. I'm pretty sure there were in between oh. those in, in between those picks forty five and fifty two. Yeah. So um. then you got to you got to talk somebody else out of that spot to to give them another pick. So then the next couple guys we took. Travis Jones looks like he's going to be an immediate contributor from a third round pick. Isaiah Likely looks like he's going to be a major contributor from a fourth round pick. Uh, we have 
Who else? We have so our, our questionable picks that draft were Jordan Stout. And again, I think it makes more sense now when you look back at it after the fact. But, you know, at the time you thought that Matariza was there and he was supposed to be this great punter. And so if you don't get Matariza in the fourth round, like, you know, maybe you can get somebody else. Or, you don't, you know, if you don't get Jordan Stout in the fourth round, you can get Matariza later in that round. And Charlie Kohler, because he's been on IR because of that freak sports hernia. I just, the problem with this year's draft is that EDC has fucked up the past draft so badly, especially 2019 that like we're playing catch up here. Like you have to take Flaley. You have to take, you know, a couple corners later in the draft. You have to take, um, and Jones. You know, what, yeah, you have to take Jones. Like you, you have to fill all these needs. And so no matter if, if we took a pick away, we have a hole there. You know, right. if you, if that's, you don't, that's my point. Jones, if you don't take Jones, like Michael Pierce has looked great, but Michael Pierce is a fat fuck who can't play a hundred percent of snaps. So you need somebody else that's going to step on the field. And, like, that's not his fault. Like, you know, that's his game is that he's a short, fat guy who fucking plugs the hole and, you know, fucking pushes the pocket. But, like, he's not playing 100% of snaps for you. So if you trade away that pick you used for Travis Jones to move up to take George Pickens, like, you have another hole there. So who the well, fuck's and playing? So, right. And so, and, you know, last was it last night where Brandon Williams was, was tweeting? Yeah, and, like. I, I'm 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 torn if he was fucking throwing shots or if he was I, just. Yeah, I, I don't think he. Yeah, I don't think he was. But my whole point is, we moved on from him. We easily could have had him back for one more year or whatever. But because we want to get push out of our interior defensive linemen, and Travis Jones brings that. So, like I just saw today, um, Owe is one of the uh, most double teamed edge rushers in the league, and he doesn't have the sacks to back that up. So all you all that tells you is that. The opposing uh, offensive or yeah, opposing offensive line coaches and opposing offensive coordinators, they watch the tape and they see him. We need to pay special attention to him because if we don't double team him, he is going to create nightmares for us. So we have a great edge rusher. If we can get interior pass rush, then they're not going to be able to keep double teaming this guy out to, out there. We're going to get more out of him, and we've seen it now with the double teams that he's getting. Houston is is a monster this year. So you know. I think everything we did in the draft, we did right. It's just that all these people now who want to then say, we could have gone to 52. We could have gotten out there and gotten George Pickens. He was there at 52. You, nobody can give me a straight answer as to how that would have happened. How, you, like, you asked sh- a question earlier about, was there a wide receiver taken in between those picks? Giants had picked a wide receiver. So there was somebody there that, um, you know, to have wide receiver with their pick um my, my thing was I'm, I'm a little different than most of the most of the flock that were in love with pickens i love pickens but i wasn't really um comparing it to what we did right like i wasn't mad at getting somebody who was a consensus top 10 pick right before injury i wasn't mad because you have to think about the value in which you got them right you don't have to pay that top 10 money but you get the top 10 talent you just have to hope that you know, the injury heals the way it's supposed to. And, you know, it's, it's 2022, you know, more oftentimes than not, these guys can come back and uh, regain what they had prior to injury. So I really wasn't mad. What I'm mad about, though, is like Drew said, the fact that we have holes from previous years, the fact that we've missed in drafts in previous years, and then it just compounds and compounds and compounds. And you get to a point where in 2022, you can't even do something like draft a George Pickens, which is, I don't want to say it's a, luxury because we lost Marquise. It wasn't a luxury. It was a need, but it's more of a luxury than some of the other positions that we had a need at. Right. And he couldn't he couldn't den- deny or um 
just not address those needs. You know, sure. offensive line, defensive line, those are those are staples of playoff teams. You know, they, the reaction. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, Twitter talks about the uh, the Purple Patrol and whatever the fuck they call the other side, the Legion of Gloom or whatever the fuck it's called. Like, the reason why I like you is that when you have a point, you back it up and you actually have, you know, legitimate, like, logical thought process behind it. And so when you're talking about, you know, you wanted George Pickens, but you also understand that there were past mistakes to make up for, like, that makes sense. I can understand why you have a player that, you know, you thought George Pickens was good and you'd like him on our team and you'd like for EDC to not have fucked up the 2019 or the 2020 draft like that. That's logical like that. That tracks for me. If we but don't fuck we, up 2019, we don't care about a wide receiver. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, like, actually, I, we haven't had a podcast since I had my hot take about Marquise Brown holding back Duvernay. Because, you know, if we... Uh, and, you know, I agree uh, with you on that. We've had the same exact opinion on that the whole time. Yeah, no, in all honesty, like 2019 fucking set us back years because you drafted a bunch of guys that you thought were going to make impact and they just did not. I mean, Jalen Ferguson, again, RIP, but like, you know, he didn't do what he was supposed to do on the field. So now you're looking at, you have to take in a job out. And especially when he's there in the second round. But if Jalen Ferguson hit there, you know, we're not talking about drafting a job out there. If Marquise Brown was wide receiver one, you're talking about maybe not taking Bateman the next year, but you're not talking about seeking a wide receiver, and nobody's mad that we don't have a wide receiver. Um, out. Hold, on, hold on, hold that thought, but check it out. If if you draft a A.J. Brown or a D.K. or a Debo or a Terry McLaurin and you get to the Bateman draft, the biggest hole there was Ronnie Stanley's injury, right? That was the right. biggest yeah. that was the biggest hole. I mean, so in the first round, maybe you're looking at a tackle so you don't have to put that pressure on Ronnie Stanley to come back. Like, now, let me play devil's advocate. We could w- that may have saved us from taking Leatherwood. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. Who did we go mean, to the Raiders? Yeah, yeah no, I think he's gone oh, now. He's God. on the Bears now, isn't he? Oh God. Yeah. May, yeah Mike I think Mayock. he's on the Bears. Uh, A B was never wrong. Again, I, I like saying Earl Thomas and A B never wrong. Both <laughs> yeah. both both are I mean, two we always, know- we know why they're both not here, but yeah. Yeah, they're both fucking whack jobs, but they were still not, you know, still not wrong. I mean, AB was 100% correct on the Raiders being a fucked up organization. And again, like, it, 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 we're in this weird spot where, you know, it's been three years with Dakota at the helm and, you know, making all the calls here. And obviously his first year, he made mistakes and it, it happens. Like, I'm not going to kill the guy for not being perfect in his first draft, but he fucked it up so badly that we're still feeling the effects. He took. He still hasn't replaced Yonda, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he put Zeitler in there, but we still don't have a, like, a legitimate left guard. I still have to watch Ben Powers suit up on a fucking Sunday, which is a fucking joke. That guy fucking sucks. You've been, be- you've been be- beating that drum for a long time. I, I've been, I've been advocating, I've been advocating murdering Ben Powers for at least two years. So, <laughs> you know, you know, again, like Tyree Phillips didn't work. <laughs> ben Ben Cleveland has skills, but is never healthy. So. He hasn't been able to show that he's better than and, Ben Powers. And he has a, he's an incomplete skill set, too. It's like his his, uh, his pass pros is uh, respectable, but he can't run block. And it, you have to be able to run block in this offense. That's why we're not running the ball right now, because we can't get any push on the left side of the, the line. That's another one. Remember when you and I wanted Saquon Barkley and people were like, oh, you cost way too much money? Like, can you imagine yep. how much better of a team we'd be with Saquon Barkley? Well, right and, and, to be, and to be very clear, neither one of us was advocating to trade the Giants whatever like ridiculous price tag they had on him for a trade. But I said if the price was a third-round pick, 
then send a third round pick because Saquon Barkley is worth a third round pick to see if he's healthy again. Because what you think you're going to get in the third round, somebody as good as Sa- Saquon Barkley be now? Best, no, you're not. He'd be the best third rounder you could find that year. That's right, sure. exactly. Hey, and well, by the way, on the topic of wide receivers, this is what this is what bugs me. You 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 like to say that I'm like a big EDC fan. I I hate that the the immediate reaction anytime he makes a move is oh this sucks. This is a stupid move. Like so, to Marcus Robinson, we signed him. He's been what we need him to be in that role because uh, getting rid of Marquise means Bateman is clear cut. Wide receiver one, no doubt about it. And he is, he's living up to that role. And, you know, people want, if, if you want to like dissect the numbers, he's making big plays. He's not getting huge catch volume, but he is converting for big plays when he gets the opportunity. He is, his route running is unbelievable. He made Howard last week look like a fool on that touchdown. Then Duvernay, like you and I have said the whole time, has the skill set that Hollywood had, except he does not command the target volume that Hollywood was, was getting. So we're going to get basically the same production out of Devin Duvernay that we got out of Hollywood without throwing the ball to the same person so much and then limiting everyone else. We got Mark Andrews still doing exactly what Mark Andrews does. And Robinson is filling this, this hole in between where all these people who want to talk about Prochet being this unbelievable, like guy being held back. No, you know why he's being held back because he can't do it. That's why we went and got Robinson. Robinson's doing exactly what Prochet would be doing if he could get on the field. And he doesn't get on the field because he's not good enough. That's just how right. it is. I, I, could, I think the bar. I could, my bad. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I could spend eight hours talking about how much I hate Prochet. So <laughs> it's uh, that fucking guy. It's just. I the think bar, the, bar, the bar we measure yeah, this is is going to be in the playoffs, though. Because, I mean, we have seen this story before where I'm not really worried about regular season success when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens and the offense at the at the least. Because it's a hard offense to kind of um, uh, game plan against on a week-to-week basis when you only have a few days to set up the game plan. Oh, shit, Lamar Jackson's coming into town. We have to worry about RPOs. We have to worry about Bateman speed. We have to worry about power run block. And we got to worry about so many different things. Mark Andrews up the seam. And then you add Likely, too, who's out here um, running nimbly. So it's a lot to have to worry about. Um, but when you get to the playoffs and I can sit down and actually – kick my feet up and say, how are we going to stop you? What do we, what do you guys do best? And how do we take that away? That's where, you know, is Demarcus Robinson going to be that guy? I hope so. I really do. Um, right. And it's a point, guy with experience, with experience, with not just NFL experience, with playoff experience, with being on a Super Bowl team. Right. Yeah. I mean, this guy, he's been around uh, greatness. He knows how to play with the best quarterback in the national football league. I know people want to talk about Josh Allen. It's still Patrick Mahomes until, further notice so you know this is a guy who who they brought in and we we me and drew i i i wasn't following you that closely up until all that recently nick but uh we've been talking about the wide receiver room needed a veteran wide receiver and people want to like take that in different ways like oh well he's not julio jones or he's not this person but he is a guy who's been around great quarterbacks he's been around great wide receivers he's been to big games he's played he's performed and He's never been like we didn't bring him in to like challenge Bateman for to be the number one wide receiver. We brought him in to play a role and he's playing it the way that we need him to. So I think it was a good signing. And when he did it, when when EDC signed him, people shit on that immediately. Like, oh, this is the guy. This is this is the solution. No, he's not the solution. He's plugging a hole because they were competent in Duvernay 
and in Bateman and in the, the tight ends to to produce. And now we're seeing the ball get spread out every single game in the box score. We have like seven or eight guys making catches. That doesn't just benefit the wide receiver room. That benefits Lamar Jackson. Exactly when I don't have right. Somebody in my ear saying, "Hey, bro, I need this new contract. I need eight, ten targets a game because you know AJ Brown's getting paid and he was in my draft class. I'm trying to get paid too. You don't have all that in your ear, so now he can just um, hit whoever's open at this point. Right. And Bateman being the complete opposite of Hollywood is not going to get in Lamar's ear and say, "I need this many targets. I need this." He's just going to let what he does in the field earn him his money, and he's going to get it. I mean, I hated Hollywood since that fucking soldier tweet. That was the Me fucking too. stupidest and worst thing that anybody ever sent because that man got more targets than any wide receiver gets here and didn't do shit with him. And like, yep. I he would barely crack a thousand yards. Yeah, I would much rather Games. take a guy who is not going to draw, you know, fucking 147 targets and he's, he's going to get 50 targets a year and make, you know, 40 catches and do what he's supposed to do. Then Hollywood has a couple highlight plays. Like, the, fuck that guy. Like, I don't want that guy on my team. Right. I, I, I guarantee I you're never going to see Duvernay after a game where he gets three targets and makes one catch for 14 yards go tweet some bullshit about how he's mad he didn't get enough run that game. Devin Duvernay know. knows that, it, you know, it's not, it's not about what he, what he does on a game to game basis. He's going to put together a season where he's got 50 to 60 catches. Uh, you know, 600 to 700 yards. He's probably going to score. He's already scored two touchdowns. He's probably going to put up like, three. I don't know. Forget about special I, teams either. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, three. exactly. Yeah, he and, and he knows, right, his value. I mean, he was a pro bowler and an all pro last year on special teams. So this guy is going to, again, this guy is going to earn his money just doing what he needs to do, doing his job. And he's doing exactly what we need him to do. I don't know. I, I think we're, I, I think that we haven't seen a whole lot of people who for a long time, on a daily basis, loved to tweet about the wide receivers on the Ravens. We haven't heard that recently. Now it's the focus has shifted significantly. So, oh, and uh, just to circle back, just to bring this full circle, um, somebody we we all know who is a big George Pickens guy, who is a, a big, uh, he's a Ravens fan, but he loves to just shit on the Ravens at all times. We were talking about how Pickens made three catches for 39 yards. His team lost. He hasn't done anything. He said, neither has Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely in week two had four catches for 43 yards. So if we really want to compare. Isaiah Likely outplayed George Pickens. He just didn't make a fucking catch that uh, is going to get replayed and replayed and replayed because it was like some freak athletic accomplishment. But he... To be fair, to be fair he, if, if George had Lamar, Lord have mercy. And if he had Lamar, if um, Lamar had George and as Isaiah together, now I don't know how that would have been possible. I don't right. know. But a man can dream. A man can dream. That's all. And I would, and get, and also, I want to make it clear here: if there was a way that we could have all these guys on the same team, I'd be all for it. I'm just saying it's so stupid to me it's where people create this this hypothetical that's just yeah, exactly. It's not realistic. There's no world where the guy who went 52 somehow we were going to trade back in the five picks after the one we made and get that guy. It's just like it's revisionist history. It makes the I I, I can't stand when make, people make arguments that just don't make sense. You got to get some logic. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's the Madden franchise fantasy football approach to wanting to build a team. Right. Uh, and I had, a, I had a guy last week tell me we should have taken him at 25 and not taken Linderbaum as if we haven't had serious had a, issues with the, the interior offensive line. Right. We didn't. And guess what? If we hadn't taken Linderbaum, if we had done what, what that guy said we should have done, we would have another wide receiver. We, wouldn't, we would have Macari playing 
center right now. And who the fuck is playing left tackle? Our our fourth round left tackle that w- right now is our swing, and he's only our swing tackle because we had a guy blow out an Achilles, and because Ronnie Stanley it, takes every other day off. Like, what would we be doing at left tackle right now if Rest we didn't have Ronnie playing out there? Yeah, it, it, I mean, these people who make up these these hypotheticals, they just they can't give me any logical explanation of how it would work in the real world. But see, you can you can play this circular logic game with all of them on Twitter where they all talk about, oh, well, we should have done X, Y, Z move. And then you're like, okay, but we did this instead. And they just ignore what actually happened. And they want to talk about their fantasy world where it only happened on paper. And so they don't have to deal with, you know, things like injuries and the reality right. that some guys step in and aren't as good as you expect them to be. How about uh, the people who are like, well, the Raiders traded for Devontae Adams. The, the Dolphins traded for Tyree Kill. Uh, they, I would, I would have loved to trade for Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill, fucking any of these big name wide receivers. Devontae well, Adams would have moved. But okay, Diggs and Hopkins are a whole different thing. I'm talking but about my, this offseason, two guys, two specific, the two best wide receivers of football got traded, and they're like, why didn't we do that? Want to know why? Because they both got 130 million dollar contracts, and how the hell are we it, going to pay for that? It, we don't. It's, it's we haven't extended our quarterback yet. It, it's not his best friend too. Right. It's, it's, exactly. not, it's, not, it's not even that. It's, it's way simpler than that. Of Like we said, the Ravens had a ton of holes going into this offseason. They needed another safety. They needed another. They needed a center. They needed a pass rusher. And that's what they choose, chose to use their draft capital on. Right. And so like you can play this hypothetical game of we could have given up three first-round picks for Tyreek Hill and paid him. That's fine. It's not my money. I don't give a fuck about Steve Biscotti's pockets. Like, fucking go, go get Tyreek Hill and pay him. But realistically if we go and do that we have other holes that are not filled if we make that move right i'm not talking about i care about the money i don't care about the money like you said it's not my money it, it, if there was no salary cap yeah fucking do that i don't give a shit but i'm saying to make it work within the framework of our salary cap situation it's not realistic especially when no. the most important guy hasn't been re-signed because they're still trying to get the money right on that so if we haven't gotten the money right on lamar why the fuck would they invest it's five years in a wide receiver if they don't even know who's going to be playing quarterback, you know? So and do we, Seattle. Uh, do yeah, we even exactly. address, address that Josina Anderson tweet today? Or is that not a, um, I, I, I don't think know. We'll, was- I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there. But I think you, you touched on something that is like, it's fodder for people who are, you know, the people who, who are crying about, Oh, we didn't trade for Tyree kill. We didn't trade for Devonte Adams. We didn't draft George Pickens. And that's, we, Signed a safety and we drafted a safety at 14. And then last week we had a historic collapse in our secondary and let a guy throw for like 11% of his career yardage in like one quarter. So, yeah. 17% of his career touchdowns for the right. So, yeah, exactly. So, like, that is problematic. I don't think there's any human who uh, roots for the Ravens who. I mean, maybe there are, I haven't seen them though, trying to explain that away. Like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. I think everybody's worried about it. But I think anyone who's rational knows, okay, the team, any team has bad games, especially at one position group. There was a lot of fucked up things that happened in that game. Now, you can point very clearly to the fact that there were three rookies on the field at the same time in the secondary, that Marlon Humphrey was off the field in the fourth quarter and in the 15 plays he missed, they scored all four of those touchdowns. So, I mean, there's a direct correlation there. Um, but the thing that 
needs to happen is it needs to be fixed. Like if, if, if there is any uh, sign that that is a problem that is going to persist and it wasn't just an anomalous like performance from that secondary, then it's fair to question us spending that much of our draft capital and $70 million. I don't think it's fair to, to necessarily to question signing Marcus Williams, but to, to do both. Um, Marcus Two Williams is already, has already, I mean, Marcus Williams already proven that was a great deal that we, that we got him on. Uh, now, three, three now interceptions three through two weeks. Now three points. Go. Marcus Williams, Go. if he would have caught that third interception, we're not even talking about this. True. Um, and he even acknowledged that. He said he should have had three. So It was right there. I mean, I'm not mad at him, but we were so right. close. Um, second point, um, going back to the wide receiver talk, just real quick. DeAndre Hopkins was the only one I was pissed about because uh, what they got him for was they, they traded him for a bag of chips. Like David Johnson's not even yeah. in the league anymore. So I was a little upset about that, but that was years ago. And then the third and Diggs point, too. D- D- Diggs, we should have drafted Diggs in 2015. He was he's in our backyard. That was that yeah. was egregious. But damn, what was the third point? What were you Sorry, just I talking did, about? It was, it was based off of you. It was based off what you were talking about. The secondary. The second. Oh, okay. So with the secondary, it wasn't just the rookies, which it, that was a good part of it. But you know, we saw like Jekyll and Hyde. We saw in the first half, Justin Houston was wrecking havoc. But we don't have any outside linebacker depth. We don't have any depth in the just in the pass rush in general. So he got tired. Once he got tired, two ahead time. When two ahead time, he can survey the field and see who is actually out of position and he hit his target. So it all connects. And we gotta just do a better job of getting to the quarterback one, keeping our guys fresh too, and then making sure that we're protecting those rookies in the secondary. Cause it's their and, second game. Well, and watch back, watch back the two Tyreek Hill touchdowns. Both throws are underthrown, which is not surprising for Tua. But the reason that they went for touchdowns is because a rookie screwed up their assignment on both. I mean, and, you know, you do expect rookies to make mistakes. That's what they do. To miss an assignment. But you don't expect two to result in, you know, 40-plus yard touchdown throws that easily be – Right. I mean, they're ducks. Uh, this guy – if you watch the first one that where Marcus Peters is playing outside leverage and uh, – and and to be fair, you watch that tape. Hamilton, it's play design that got him, but it's inexperience that made him bite on that waddle underneath. I think that play is really they don't even ever expect Tyreek Hill to be open on that play because they're going to expect the corner to be shading him underneath. So they know Tua tends to underthrow deep balls. I think the whole thing is that they're looking for the safety to go deep to follow with Peters or whoever the cornerback is, whoever they're playing, so that Waddle comes across the middle, and on that handoff, Waddle opens up, he gets a ball in space, and then he can take it up the sideline. But you even watch that, you see Waddle, like, celebrates. Like, I cannot believe that this guy just bit on the underneath here, because now we have Tyreek Hill by himself with no safety help whatsoever. So we had this discussion with with Jeff Zreback on on Twitter where he's talking about, and I think it all comes back to Chuck Clark. And yeah, I, I cannot stand the fact that he is still our green dot. And Jeff told me that defensive coaches laugh at us for saying this and that, you know, he is the, the green dot doesn't mean as much as it does. But since that man has taken over the green dot, when we have rookies and people who should not be starting cornerbacks on the field, like we get fucking bullied because teams exploit our coverage. We make, we have players who make stupid decisions in one-on-one coverage and it, always bites us in the ass. And so I look at that and I'm like, why do you have Chuck still calling the plays? Why do you have Chuck as the guy who's telling fucking Jalen Armour Davis to, 
you know, stick with this guy or tell him Kyle Hamilton, stick with that guy. Like fucking make a change, like figure it out. Like there's clearly an issue here. What did he say? It had been 55 games since we'd given up a 400 yard passer. And then all of a sudden in the last 19 games, we've given up five, like make a change. Well, and the bigger, the bigger problem with that stat, the 19 games in that 19 game stretch, we've given up five. No other team's given up more than one. Right. It's it's not like again. How many? The definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We continue to repeat the same shit over and over again. Of you know, injuries happen. Like we were down to our fifth corner in the fourth quarter on Sunday. That's fine. You can you can acknowledge that. But when our backups are making these fucking crucial mistakes, like you can't just keep letting that happen. You can't have Robert Jackson one on one with Devontae Adams. You can't have somebody leave Odell open in the end zone. You can't keep making these mistakes over and over again and expecting to win games. Right. And, and you know, it does go back to, to coaching and game plan too, because once you've given up, once you've given up 14 points in the fourth quarter, you, you walked into it with a, a 21 point lead. Why are we in any sort of defensive formation that will allow Tyreek Hill to be behind a defender at any point? They I mean, teach that in pop Warner, man. Like, just Even don't let them put, get behind you. If you, you want to put five safeties in the field, do it. Just line them up back there. Don't let the guy behind you. Don't let it happen because then, even if they they get a long gain, at that point, who gives a shit? Because then we're in, we have the field shortens. We can play a little tighter, and we're not going to get beat over the top. We got beat over the top over and over and over again for twenty eight fucking points in one quarter. That's like that. It it hurts my brain right now thinking about the fact that professional football coaches let that happen. I mean, you can, you can talk about it's, it's rookies, inexperienced, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but you eventually, the coaches are putting the rookies in a bad position. I got killed for this, but we're not playing J.K. Dobbins last Sunday is what fucked us in the end because you didn't have the ability to control the clock because our running backs are fucking miserable right now. That's and the like, other part. That's the other part. So yeah, the you, offense you, was, was yeah. like – the offense was like – the D, the Miami offense was like, all right, tag, you're in. You come in, give us a breather. Come in here for like two minutes while we go off and get some Gatorade and get, catch our breath. We know you're just going to punt it to us in in two minutes or less. So you guys come on, uh, Roman, call a bunch of stupid ass plays. You're going to punt it, and, and then we'll come back out. We'll score on your asses again. That's what happened at, in that fourth quarter. At some point. Combat. At some point, Greg Roman needs to be sat down and said, you have Lamar Jackson, a generational talent at quarterback. Just let him do what the fuck he wants, okay? Because whatever Lamar calls is going to be better than what Greg Roman calls. And if you're not going to give, you know, if you're not going to put J.K. Dobbins on the field, for example, Mike Davis is not good anymore. You know, Kenny Drake doesn't know the fucking offense. Like, Justice Hill is, eh, but he has terrible vision. has no fucking idea what he's doing. Justice Hill. Right, he's yeah, just he's, a sell. So he's if, not if intended gonna, to be anything more than the third running back. He's just that's not right. his role. Right. So if you're down to running back three, four, and five on your depth chart, and you have a 21 point lead, you have to know that Lamar is the one guy you can trust with the ball in his hands. So just fucking let him call the offense and step the fuck back. Because at any point, if you just take four minutes off that clock, Miami runs out of time, and that's that's really the issue. Is that like it, it's the same thing with Atlanta blew that 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan has blown multiple big late leads. Like you look at all these games where people blow leads, they just they get in their own way and they call stupid plays. Like just let your guys run the ball, let your guys fucking make the plays, and just kill clock because at some point the clock doesn't work in the team trying to come back to favor. 
Right. Okay. So we, yeah, we've heard this, we've heard Greg Roman's vault because he's the dumbass that uh, spoke that into existence and said, I'm going to open the vault. So Greg Roman's vault, what we've learned about Greg Roman over the years, it's, it is undeniable at this point. The guy is so overly committed to game script. He has a script for every single situation. He's unable to, to pivot on the fly and just the guy, he's a gifted offensive coordinator. His system is crazy good. It was, I mean, you, you can't take it away from him. Lamar Jackson had one of the most historically great seasons as a, any quarterback has ever had, if not the greatest under Greg Roman's system. Now, when we got into that Tennessee game, we saw how Greg Roman's system and Greg Roman's commitment to his game script can fuck a, an offense up and can, can derail a season. But when we saw it last week too, because we had Lamar Jackson, I think at halftime he had, it was over 200 yards, like 211 yards and three touchdowns. Rating. Yeah, at halftime. And then he came out, and in the second half, they went away from the pass. The run game was not working, except for Lamar Jackson running the ball. So he suddenly is like, okay, I'm winning by this much. What's my game script for this situation? And then he just is like, oh, it, okay, it didn't work that one, but we're just going to keep going with it because this is the situation dictates it. Dude, you need to be ready at any point to pivot. And the playbook is the playbook. You don't need to have a fucking like 10 play script that's just there no matter what happens. You've got to, you've got to be ready to call different plays. You've got to be ready to use the whole arsenal. That's what the fucking vault really is. The script, you know, should, be, th- the script should be game and situation dependent. Right. Like if, if we're watching Lamar Jackson actually be in his own, because we have to remember some of those throws Lamar was making, right? Like um, yeah. that throw to Demarcus Robinson. He thread a needle, right? Like right. that's how about that's the throw to Mark Andrews? The, the throw to Andrews. The throw to I Andrews mean, when he got down get at the any one. Better. Yeah, doesn't get better than that. No, when Monday you through that, <laughs> You have to let him cook. Oh, it's and then how about this? The next play, like okay, that that touchdown touchdown came back. They were on the two inch line, and Greg Roman, which I couldn't believe it when I saw it. The guy ran play action from two inches off the goal line, and he, he had open. his pick. He had his pick. He had. Pat Ricard and he had Mark Andrews. I think he chose to throw to Mark Andrews because he I earned that care. touchdown. But like he had two guys, literally no one near them, unguarded. Why mm-hmm. the fuck didn't we use? Why weren't we doing that? And like, and last week, people were so excited because we we used bootlegs with with Lamar Jackson on short yardage. You boot if you boot Lamar Jackson in short yardage, immediately all you're creating you 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 put Lamar in some space, which always results in something good. And then you give him the option. Okay, Lamar, look at the field. What's happening here? There's space. Do you have one guy in front of you that you have to beat? Because if there's one guy, that guy's not going to get Lamar Jackson. One you have more than one. If you have more than one guy, guess what? That means someone doesn't have a guy on them. So now you have a lane to throw in and you have who's going to be there. It's, it's like when we're inside the 10-yard line, we should be using bootlegs like 60% of the time. I don't Monday know why we haven't done it more. Monday through Saturday, Greg Roman is the best offensive coordinator in the NFL. Like the scheme that he has, you know, the ability with Lamar Jackson, the run game, all that is great. It's his fucking execution with play calling on Sundays that fucks us over constantly. Right. Is that, like you said, he sticks to a script. He doesn't fucking update at all. He doesn't figure shit out at halftime. He just makes things worse by getting in his own way. He tries to be like the smartest guy in the booth and he just fucks everything up because he's a fucking moron. You can't you know what I think, you know what's so like, maddening you know, about the Ravens? Like, we're 
not that far away from where we want to be. Like no. for the past several years, we have been this close, and it's the dumbass decisions or just yeah. I don't not, think it's roster. I don't think mistake. it's the roster. The roster. The roster. I think that they have addressed the shortcomings. The only like to me, obviously, outside linebacker right now is a problem because we had we did sign guys and and we signed role players to 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 eat up snaps until Ajabo comes back. But like. The, the one big thing is the left tackle position because we did the, I don't think we anticipated it to be that Ronnie Stanley was still, you know, uh, in the best shape of his life and uh, running, running, uh, I'm, running, I'm, I'm, I'm running a four or five, but he can't play. But the, the thing that is holding us back, we have addressed everything. I think we have this roster right now, the 2022 roster, what all these changes they made, I think is the best version of the team that we've seen throughout all these years. 2019 where Lamar had that insane season, his wide receivers sucked. I think these wide receivers, this group is built for Lamar Jackson's skill set. We have tight ends that are way better than they were in 2019. I think that, I mean, obviously I think likely is better than Hurst, right? Hurst was good. Hurst, Hurst played a good role, but I think they upgraded basically every single position that last year showed it needed to be. They addressed the offensive line. They signed Moses. Um, James was an unfortunate loss. I think he, he, he had value. I think that that was a great, that's one that EDC doesn't get credit for because it, he got hurt again and it didn't like the longevity of it didn't pan out, but it was one of those where it was like a very, very low, low level investment on a guy that was a pro bowler. And that if he didn't blow his Achilles out was playing well, uh, you know, I, I think like, that's one of those things is like, people are so jaded that they won't give credit where credit is due, but this team is the best version of the team we've seen. And yeah, of course we don't have George Pickens or Julio Jones or whoever the fuck else we, people, you know, have been crying about to have a, a wide receiver. But I think this team is built to win. And the only thing that is problematic is execution. And it's not just execution by the players, it's execution by the coaching staff. So like, you know, I will defend John Harbaugh because I still think that John Harbaugh is a, you know, you can you can put a number on it if you want. I think it's arguable he's a top five coach. He's uh, without a doubt a top ten coach. No one within their right mind can say he's a bad coach. I I know one person who has said that. They couldn't give he me a single help. reason why he, he, he never person. gave me. Yeah, he couldn't possibly give me a single reason why that was true. But when Greg Roman does what he did on Sunday and he gets overly committed to this idea that like, oh yeah, we're winning by X amount, so here's what we're going to do. That's where the head coach needs to step in and say, hey, Greg, throw your stupid fucking script in the trash and start calling plays, not uh, just do like... That, though. Does he have the cachet to do that? Because he's not Andy Reid. Andy Reid would do he that. Needs, he can well, call I, a game. I'm not, I'm not saying that John Harbaugh should call the game. I'm saying he should go to the offensive coordinator and say, hey, buddy, throw your dumb fucking script out Call plays. That's what we pay you for. That's why you got that fucking three million dollar house in Owings Mill. That's all I ask from John Harbaugh. Is but to I, I'm when saying, necessary, you, but he doesn't. You you could take the guy sitting in section five thirteen or whatever fucking number section you want, and he could call a better live game than Greg Roman. That is the problem. Is that like you said, when you have to go off script with Greg Roman, it doesn't work anymore because he's just not capable of doing that. He has no, just no ability to do that. I don't know why. And I know why he gets the leash that he does with the fucking Ravens because, you know, he's uh, his brother Jim's buddy and, you know, the whole fucking nepotism argument with Harbaugh. You can, I, I will never fight back with somebody who makes that point about Harbaugh is that, you know, if he comes highly recommended by a family member, he'll let that guy fucking 
do whatever criminal things and just let it slide. But you need to have somebody in the booth with Greg Roman who can look him dead in the face and be like, dude, fuck you. Stop calling these stupid fucking plays and do something smarter. Like, well, just so make last year, yeah, last year we, we, so last year going into last year, there was a, this, you know, a huge question and there was a, a lot of uh, anger about the past game. So we went and we got T Martin, we got Keith Williams to, to coach up the wide receivers. And I think no one has been talking about how the wide receivers have stepped up and Keith Williams deserves a ton of credit for whatever he's done with those wide receivers. Cause they have taken a huge step forward, but I think T Martin would be the guy T Martin needs to be ready and willing to take over play calling and Harbaugh needs to be willing to say to Greg Roman, Hey buddy, if we get in a situation where you're overly committed to your game script, I'm just going to let T start calling the fucking plays because he knows the playbook too. And he's got some ideas and he can think on his feet because we can't be overly committed to a book. We can't be over, overly committed to some shit that you wrote down ahead of time that like, if the situation calls for it, this is what we do. Because obviously that is a, I, to me, like you can't possibly tell me that the, the problem with the offense is the players. We have awesome offensive players. Can I ask you guys a question? And honest, honest opinion. Do you do you guys believe that this team is built to run the ball? And that's not a trick question. I'm just asking because my opinion on it is I don't think right now we're built to to run the ball as as much as we want to. Even with our tight ends, like where's Nick Boyle? Right? Isaiah Likely's not a blocker. Josh Oliver, no. he's, he's not a blocker. They, they're not getting pushed. This is where Pat Ricard plays a role that people don't give him credit for. So oh, like people, so much. yeah, people, oh yeah, snap count. He's out snapping the wide receiver. He's not taking wide receiver snaps away. If he's in the game more than wide receiver, it's because we're in, we're in heavy sets and we need a big guy. So Pat Ricard's on the field more because Nick Boyle's not. That's why. That's the answer. It's not because he's, they want him to go catch passes that Rashad Bateman would be getting. That's part of, also, part of the issue is we're running heavy sets so frequently that we don't have playmakers on the field because we're too busy trying to cram the ball down people's throats with no tight ends that can block. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- so I, th- snaps. I, I don't give a fuck. Who, who the fuck cares? Power card is a fucking is a weapon that nobody else has in the NFL. Like the problem is, is that Greg Roman shouldn't be designing a pullback screen to power card on okay. third and eight. He should be doing, you know, power card should be your short yardage back. Yeah, it, it, it's not it's not how often he's on the field. It's how he's used in these weird one off situations. That's the problem. Right. OK, so and you want to talk weird one off situations like it worked, but I don't ever want to see Mark Andrews taking a, a, a snap under center again. No. What are you doing? No. Mm-hmm. It, was was it, worked. it worked. I was a mad at it. It worked. It it worked. Was, was, like, it, we doing something if, new. Yeah, fuck if, with it. if anyone, if anyone besides Lamar Jackson or another quarterback or running back is going to take a snap, let, let Pat Ricard Patrick, take the fucking Patrick, snap. He's huge. Right. You think he's getting stopped? Why are we putting Mark Andrews at risk, letting him take a snap at under center? That was stupid, but but uh, let him take that snap on on first and ten, fourth and one, or whatever, fourth uh, and yeah, two, or whatever yeah. that play call was. So, Nick, Nick, to answer your question though about are we built to run? I think that any team, any iteration of the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson under center is yeah, built to run the ball because they have if they have to account for Lamar Jackson, it's just the way we're running the ball. So like you know we've been doing we've we've had Lamar Jackson under like actually under center taking snaps under center a lot more frequently this season than we have he's from a passing perspective it's worked really well but 
if it were just doing a standard handoff, you know, this is a player thing. This is uh, like Drew said, we got Drake who has been the lead back. And I mean, he's only been on the team for two weeks. We got justice Hills, not built to be the, the, the bell cow. We have Mike Davis who is ineffective, but I think if you really want to run the ball, if you want to establish the run and then you want to go to pistol and do RPO looks and, you know, everything that we've done in the past where we've taken guys who came off the street and still been effective running the ball. I mean, even last year we had to kind of string together a, a running back room, basically like leading into week one where it was, it was all new guys. And we still, I think we're like top five or top six running the ball last year because yeah. we have Lamar Jackson. So you have to give them some sort of exotic look. You got to make Lamar part of the, the equation in order for the running game to work that way. But yeah, we can still run the ball. It's just the way we've been trying to run the ball is predicated on number one, I think having uh, Ronnie healthy, which he's not, and having our two legit running backs back there who know the system, who have been proven to be guys who get yardage after being contacted. Um, so yeah, I think we can run the ball. I think this week uh, we'll probably see – also it feeds off the pass game. So I think like this week we're going to see more balanced offense. That's how you, I think that's how you really like grind teams into the ground. That's why we won 12 games in a row in 2019. We had the most balanced offense in the history of the NFL. So I think by the end of the season, the evolution of what, what this offense is, is going to be balance because that's, if we go into the, the playoffs with a balanced offense, you cannot beat us. You can't. The defense then isn't going to be leaned on the way they were on, on Sunday you know, they shouldn't have been leaned on going into the fucking fourth quarter with a 21 point lead, but they ended up being the, what, the unit that got leaned on. So if you have a balanced offense, you're eating up the clock, you're, you know, you're getting first downs, you're, you're doing everything that, that the offense needs to do to put the defense in a position to succeed. And on oh, Sunday, it was key. the opposite one. Yeah, that was just key because even when you're trying to uh, run out the clock, it doesn't always have to be by cramming the ball down people's throats via right. the run game. You can that do was that Lamar's by getting point. the first down. Yeah, yeah, that was Lamar's point. He said, "If the pass is working, we got to keep passing the ball," and that's true. This, this Patriots team is again living in Massachusetts. You know, I, I've I've seen since 2000. This is one of the worst Patriots teams that like has has existed in a while. Because you have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge calling <laughs> offensive plays, so they have that they is have worth no laughing offense. at. <laughs> yeah, it, it's terrible, but they have no fucking Mac Jones is really not that good. He's just kind of he he's an average quarterback at best. Did you see you know, what Trill and Coley said today? No, Mac Jones is the fourth best quarterback in the NFL drafted by Bill Belichick. I, I, honestly, he he probably is, and so like, first than Jacoby know, like, and uh, Jimmy and all of them. Like, is that what he's trying to say? <laughs> J- Jacoby's good. Yeah. Jacoby's I don't have right. any problems with Jacoby. He played well. Is there is there really is? I mean, like, okay, I mean, anybody can argue know. the counterpoint here, but give me a real reason. Like, what's the reason that Mac Jones is good? To me, okay, people are like, oh, he went to the, the playoffs in his first year. Okay, the defense went to the playoffs. It, right, the defense went to the playoffs, and. So Mac Jones, they beat Buffalo in the regular season. In that weird him. win game, he threw, two passes, game. he threw the ball. He threw the ball three times, and then when yeah. he had, when they played in conditions that didn't warrant uh, hiding the quarterback, they got their fucking doors blown off in the, in the playoffs. So like, yeah, they went to the playoffs in a shit division, and kind of with a freak win against Buffalo, which was a clearly superior team, right? Did they not? Mm-hmm. They didn't win the division. They snuck in, but either way. 
what, whatever happened, however they got in, I, I don't know that you can credit Mac Jones with getting them there. I mean, Mac Jones was like serviceable for a rookie quarterback. I think he outperformed what people thought maybe he would do last year, but that's not saying all that much because people were like, why the fuck would you draft this guy number 15? And yeah. Mac Jones, Mac Jones now, yeah, like I think it's like he almost like peaked last year and he wasn't all that great. He was, he was fine. But that, that's, so when you draft a guy like Mac Jones, you don't want to take him the first round because Mac Jones coming out of college is the same player he's going to be in his entire NFL career. So you know what he is. He has a cemented floor and he has a very low ceiling compared to what he, he's not going to improve that much. He's not going to get more athletic. He's not going to learn how to throw the ball farther. He's not going to, you know, you know, just like develop this rocket arm and, you know, this crazy decision making. He's a guy that you bring in, you get the ball out of his hands quickly. He's going to make the, you know, 10 to 15 year old throws that he has to make. And you're, you're good. You know what you have with him. And so like, that's his strength. And so when you start relying on him to be this game breaking quarterback, he's not that. Right. And yeah. He's not, that's, yeah. He's not a bad decision maker. He's just limited physically. Yeah. So and, like, and then you want him to develop, but then you give him Matt Patricia, the defensive right. coordinator by trade, to and not even bring Matt him to Patricia. the next level. How does that happen? Yeah, they gave him two guys, and they wouldn't even say who was the offensive coordinator for a long time. So it's like he's well, getting like he's there, like, there's there's reasons for that. I mean, you know, I, I listened to enough Boston Sports Talk Radio where I can tell you the reason why Bill Belichick did that is because he doesn't want. You know, he, he wants to have two scapegoats, basically. He wants to say that they suck this year because they didn't figure out the offensive coordinator position, and that's on him. And No, I get that, then, but I'm just saying, like, from Max, for Max's perspective, that's damaging for a guy in his second year because we, well, you and I have uh, had a long stand. I think you, you conceded that I was correct, or, or uh, at least that you're willing to concede for the moment that I was correct about guys in their second year. But... Um, Mac in his second year, a quarterback going from year one to year two, there needs to be a pretty big jump from year one to year two. If it's going to be a guy who's an actual franchise quarterback, right? If that doesn't happen, it's very unlikely it's going to happen from year two to year three. And then if you're going year one to year two and your offensive coordinator, you don't even know who it is. It's just two guys. And it's like the, the, the head coach is playing like mind games with the media about it. That will fuck you up bad. And it's a guy who already had limited physical tools. They're like, oh, yeah, he got in great shape in the offseason. Him being in great uh, shape I, or not being in great shape is not the issue. It's The guy isn't going to develop a fucking great arm. The guy isn't going to develop, like, elite speed. So, it's you know, like, he, he is what he is. He's fine, whatever. I think he – I have I said it from before he ever got drafted. Mac Jones is a starter for now. Likely will have – a decently long NFL career, but probably is going to end up kind of regret. He's like a Matt Castle. He's Matt Castle. That's what he is. Matt Jones. Matt Jones is a great draft pick. If you take him in the third round, Matt yes. Jones in the first round is a huge reach. Yeah, definitely, big time. And so, like, uh, I mean, coming off last week, if we let Matt Jones beat us, our secondary, then we have big problems. That that was kind of what I was alluding to earlier, where people who want to say like. Uh, we overcompensated in the secondary by like drafting Hamilton at 14 and also signing Marcus Williams. They, you know, they're going to have a lot of uh, ammo if we go up to New England and let Mac Jones throw the ball over us. Especially with those wide receivers. I can't see that happening, man. I can't either. 
where I'm worried about that that is though is that if Mac Jones throws for 400 yards next week, but or you know this Sunday, but we win 35 to three, like I don't care. And because I think that's how Mac Jones operates is that he's going to throw a lot of underneath stuff and he's going to get you from the. I'm going to look know, it up, but I don't think he's ever thrown. For- no, he hasn't. But I'm saying if he gets you from their own, you know, 10 yard line to the 50 yard line every drive, and then those don't result in points, I don't give a fuck. Because yards, yards yeah, are yeah. an overrated stat to some extent. It's if Mac Jones is able to keep them in the game with his arm, then I'm worried about the secondary. Yes, absolutely. I'm saying if we lose the game and Mac Jones has a good game throwing the ball, then we yes, have a big game, problem. I'm looking at this as a loss if this game's within 14 points by the end. Because I, I just think that the Patriots are not good. The Patriots can't run the ball very well. Patriots defense has some real fucking losers in the secondary. Like, you know, yeah. guys that they, Jalen Mills is fucking terrible. They have no corners. Their safeties suck. Their pass rush sucks. Don't get me started on Matt Judon. Fuck him. I'm so glad he left. And, like, you know, they, they're just not the, – the Patriots in the you know early parts of the year anyway are usually a bad team. Like, they don't really kind of hit their stride until, like, week eight or nine anyway. And so, like, if we don't blow their fucking doors off at Gillette, like, th- then I have some serious cause for concern with this team. Have is we anybody, looked at the weather? Is anybody concerned about um, – weather is going to be important to you. Is anybody concerned about Bill Belichick and him trying to uh, point out our weaknesses and, and just the coaching, the coaching battle that will ensue? So th- that that comes down to again that comes down to Greg Roman is I, I think Bill Belichick knows that he's not going to stop Lamar Jackson and so it's really going to come down to you know you got to force the Ravens to put together ten play drives to score touchdowns I, I think that he's going to play that bend but don't break defense against him and if the Ravens keep you know just punching it in every time then I think we're fine but is Greg Roman going to get frustrated and try to get cute is he going to stick with some kind of fucking weird ass game script that he put together today? on a Sunday game and not make any kind of adjustments. As long as he doesn't do that, and as long as, you know, we're putting together consistent drives, I think we're fine. But, uh, you know, where I worry is that, you know, are we going to be our own worst enemy again? Are we going to be the ones who make the stupid fucking play, who give the Patriots that that window to get back in the game? Because Bill Belichick is the best coach in NFL history. I hate admitting that publicly. I have rallied against that for years with all these assholes that I live with up here. But, like, He's that fucking good. And if you give him an opportunity to get back in the game, he'll take it. So, like, we got to make sure that we don't give him that opportunity. Something I saw this week, Harbaugh said he gave a lot of praise to Lamar for the uh, adjustments that Lamar makes at the line of scrimmage. So, I think that's kind of sending a message that that's going to become more of a theme throughout the the season that we're going to give Lamar more freedom to have a little control over the offense. Because those comments came on the heels of Lamar after the game being pretty, you know, unfiltered about the fact that we were passing the ball so well, and then we just stopped doing it. And we need to do, we need to stick with the pass if the pass is working. Uh, By the way, I looked at the weather. It's going to be upper 60s and uh, very low percentage rain. So the conditions should be fine. Any win? No win? Uh, Every time we go up north, I get worried. Still scarred by the there, there, There's not been, there's wind, not been wind, that much. Wind. Nah, yeah. Wind, wind is going to be about, uh, it's going to be right around 10 miles per hour, blowing to the northeast, gusting right. to 20. Nothing, nothing, too, nothing too crazy. Nothing you're not yeah, going to see anymore. No, I mean, it, it's been a pretty mild you know, week so far. It's been a, yeah. a little bit crazy. So I don't know. I just, my, my whole thing with 
you know, this game for us is that it, it means a lot to us to be able to, you know, finish the game like completely. Like don't, don't do any of this cute shit. Don't do any of this, you know, um, you know, thinking too much and trying to get, you know, too cute, trying to get too out of hand, like just, just fucking win, just do what's working. And whether that's short passes, whether that's, you know, bombing and taking the top off the defense, like just put up points when you have the opportunity to do so and just keep fucking doing it until, you know, all 60 minutes play a complete game. Cause that's what we need. I was so happy if we're, if we were going to have a collapse at any point in the season, I was happy that it happened week two. Cause what you're saying is pretty much the lesson from that game, you know, by, by any means necessary, it doesn't have to be a prescribed way in which you do it. Just get it done because Yep. the Ravens way like is closing games when we get ahead and we get a substantial lead we used to be a team that never would relinquish leads you know what I mean that's why that yeah that's why that loss that was a 2014 playoff game against New England where we gave up two 14 point leads that's why that was so like it hurt so hard because like if we went if we're leading a game by 14 points there is no world where we lose. that wasn't that was not a reality for us really I mean so I think people are jaded since then because we all watched it happen and it hurt. I watched then, that live. That was fucking, that was the most yeah, miserable and, game and I've then, ever And then, to, yeah, and then to have a 21-point lead, to give up 28 points in one quarter, it's crazy. But you are absolutely right, Nick. Uh, if you're going to have a a loss like that, you want it to be in September because it's like a blueprint for the rest of the season. Remember what happened in September? That team made us look like fucking assholes. They embarrassed us. And they really did. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's every single guy is going to remember it. Uh, we had it happen in 2019. Uh, yeah, the, the Browns did it. And to EDC's credit, he went out and he made a big trade. So this week, a big sign. I did. Yeah. I, right. We made a, we signed somebody. Now it's not the same thing as getting a Marcus Peters, but not only did we get. I, it might be. Who knows, right? You Again, never know. this, is what, this is what I was talking about with Demarcus Robinson. Like, okay, and I was one of the people who tweeted a little bit. I was a little nonplussed just because, like, you don't know what's going to happen. He's an older guy, whatever. He could, I mean, like, you know, he he could have gas in the tank. Um, but um, hold on, Max. JPP is my, my my brain got derailed. Um, where were we? Hold on, JPP. JPP. Well, so just to save you. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. EDC. <laughs> when when we were talking about. JPP coming and and visiting, doing his workout. We already had him in over the summer. Reason we didn't sign him is because he had just had shoulder surgery in February, so he wasn't healed. He wasn't ready. Whatever. So we had him back, but we didn't have him back until after EC explored trades. Now, some people, you know, depending on, we don't know who the trades were. We don't know what teams they were talking to. There may be teams that aren't willing to trade with us because they don't want to make us better. Period. And that's not just AFC teams, NFC teams who think they might have some shot, you know, to, to get in the playoffs and maybe see us in the Super Bowl. They're not going to want to trade us. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that EDC is banging the phones trying to get a trade done or multiple trades done, he's trying to address holes. Okay. Just the fact that they acknowledge that to me is encouraging. It, and it doesn't mean that he's done. So EDC is doing his job just because we don't have you know, a room full of new guys. He's doing what he's supposed to do. This is a GM who knows, it tells me they know they have holes. They know they need to be addressed. So they tried the trade route. It didn't work. They signed JPP. Now it doesn't mean they're going to stop trying to trade. 
doesn't mean that they're that you know a guy that has been linked to us and we've all wanted for two seasons is Odell Beckham Jr. So it doesn't mean that he's off the table. He's not ready yet. Obviously, he's not signing with anybody right now. He's no. he's playing the field. So like all these things are still on the table. Now, do you want to talk about the Josina Anderson tweet? Yeah, because what I found interesting with that is that people took that as Lamar immediately. And I think they're right. I mean, I think what she's saying is that, you know, this is a guy who's standing up for player plate, who is looking for fully guaranteed money, allegedly, and, you know, is standing tall against the Ravens. And she said they're going to lose somebody who is, you know, key in that fight. I think Lamar's contract dictates a lot. If he signs before Burrow and Herbert, I mean, if he doesn't take fully guaranteed money, I would think that that's off the table for Burrow and Herbert, too. And so, I mean, that's that's got to be somebody that the NFLPA is pushing to say fuck off until they offer him a fully guaranteed contract. I I think a contract is going to be done with him. And I know that you said before the bye week, I know that that was your, um, you were the first one on that uh, bandwagon, Will, that you said that it was going to be done during the bye week. I mean, I, I think it's going to be done now. I Me think too. That the Ravens, I've, changed, I think I've changed my tune on that because I think because of the way he's played these first two weeks, he's playing at an MVP level. The Ravens have, have recognized that. So the owner, we want to talk about the owner so much. The owner going knows. Up, baby. It's only going every up. Every single week he does that. Every single week. And even last week in a loss, the, the, you know, I mean, you can point to more than one bright spot, but the main bright spot last week was we had a quarterback last week play out of his mind and do something that no quarterback has ever done before. And it's just another notch on his bedpost of doing things that no quarterback has ever done before. How many times have we said that about Lamar Jackson? Happens all the time. He finds new ways to do something that no quarterback's ever done before. And he's in year five. So like, yeah, if you let this guy play the whole season, by the end of the season, you're going to owe him a billion dollars, you know? So now they see, okay, we offered him and he, he, I, I don't know how this tweet kind of slipped under the radar. I didn't see it float around that much. I've only seen it a couple times, but he said hey. to Diana Rossini, said he said it to Diana Rossini. He, she yes. asked him specifically, how much money do they offer you? Was it 160? Or, I think he said, he said it was between 160 and 180. To me, that means it was 180 or it was 170. It was, it was towards the top, right? So it wasn't enough. And it was the, so the number to me is the one that we've all been talking about the whole time. He wants, a, a guaranteed number that starts with a two. And she asked, are you going to ride out the season? And her tweet ends with, he said, we'll see with a smile, which means, yeah, he's the one who put the mandate in place. He's the one who said, I'm not negotiating after the season starts. But if he says, we'll see with a smile, that means, hey, if you come to me with a $200 million guaranteed contract, I'm going to sign it. And my initial thing was, we have a bye week. It's a lot, it, you know, we have a bye week, and not just that. We have another. We have another uh, stretch where we have a Thursday game and then a Monday night game. So we have mm-hmm. two kind of like big, big gaps in the season. So it was going to, and, and they're both close to each other. I thought it would happen somewhere around that time where there's there's time where there's going to be more rest, where you know they can sit down at the at the negotiation table. But I think the fact that he's played the way he has the first two weeks has made it a priority, and not just that, they went into this this week coming out of the Miami game with $5 million in cap space. And they just signed JPP to a deal that's worth up to five and a half million dollars. And they signed Brandon Copeland too. So they don't have any money left. They, I mean, between the two, we don't, I don't, I still haven't seen the details on JPP. What to counts. It's, it's, it's like one, one it's one million, million guarantee. and okay. then four and a half guarantee. And, um, right. you know, bonuses. 
I also don't buy the whole negotiating thing with Lamar. I, I think Lamar left this as a, this is what I want. Fucking yeah. yeah. Or but that's a, I mean, that's a negotiate. Like, yeah, I'm saying like negotiating table, meaning like come back to the table. I'm going to hand you this contract that says that number you wanted and you're either going to sign it or you're not. But yeah, this week made it a priority for them to go back and say, all right, Lamar played out of his mind. We had to sign an edge rusher and we had to sign a depth edge rusher or, you know, depth outside linebacker in Copeland and Copeland, he's on the practice squad. If he gets elevated, he's going to count $865,000 or 895, whatever the number is that minimum salary for a guy in his position. So we're talking about now $2 million against the cap. No team wants to operate after we're in going into week three here. Yeah. We're in week three and we have have $3 million in cap space. Right. Exactly. It's that's not tenable. So either, Lamar Jackson signs an extension or we do something with Marcus Peters contract, but either way, something's got to give. And I haven't heard a word about Marcus Peters. So, you know, that tweet, the way that's worded that we know the dynamics of Lamar fighting for fully guaranteed money and fully guaranteed versus most of it guaranteed. Maybe he considers that a win. Who knows? Maybe they hit the number he wants, but no matter what, the Ravens need to do something right now to clear up some cap space because they need it moving forward. It's a long season. We got 15 weeks left or 16 weeks left in the season. Well, and I, so, I, I think that this is a good negotiating tool for the Ravens where they can go to Lamar and say, look, we know you want all $250 million guaranteed, but here's the reason why you don't guarantee it is that it gives us the flexibility to go out and get a JPP. It gives us flexibility to maybe go out and get a Odell. And you kind of use this as a, you know, I know you have that two hundred million dollar number in mind, Lamar, and this is why you should take two hundred instead of two fifty. Right. Right. I, I would push back on that only because you could have did that when he was dirt cheap. You know what I mean? At this point, it's kind of late in the game to entice me with those type of things. At this point, just hit, just give me my number. Um, well, yeah. Also, but I think that Lamar, despite what some uh, self-appointed analyst would tell you, is not a selfish guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, he's not a selfish guy. He is a team first guy. I think uh, one of his faults is that he's too much of a team first guy at times where he almost enables his, his teammates like we saw with Hollywood. He's like too first much on, and businessman or two different things. I love my yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. I do. So here I want to put it. I want to put my, that my words. I want to put my words not only in writing, but on on tape. I am predicting. We already know that the 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 max value of the contract he was offered that he rejected was $290 million. So I think we're going to see a contract signed by Lamar Jackson, $200 million guaranteed. And the value is going to be $300 million or more in total value. And I think it's going to be a five-year deal. Raise you one. I'll say my, my prediction is 220 guaranteed. All right. Well, I mean, well, I, I don't give well, a fuck what it is, but I'm just whatever uh, I'm, it is. I'm saying it won't and, be fully guaranteed. Obviously, there will be, um, you know, some uh, some additional it, numbers it, on the floor. Yeah, value. yeah. But I don't whatever think it's fully guaranteed. It's a steal. Whatever, whatever the number they sign them for is in two years, it'll be a steal. So just fucking, just fucking. TV get money's it done. coming. TV money's coming. Yeah. yeah, right. And I think also think that maybe you know his lack of an agent is a deterrent. In these deals, where fully guaranteed versus uh, the the Can you explain uh, that for me though. Cause, so cause I, a fully guaranteed. Well, uh, okay. So here's what I'm saying: the difference between a fully guaranteed deal that's very simple. You sign the deal, and here's the amount of money you're going to get over this amount of years, versus the 
basic guarantees. So like somebody, so when, uh, when Kyler signed, I think like his, like the fully guaranteed money, something like 135 million or 130 million, something like that. But like, but in, in essence, it's truly $190 million guaranteed for him. 109 or 189.5, I think was the number. So because the only way that he doesn't get paid the 185 million is if he's not on the roster in like at the, the first day of the league year, two years from now, I don't see a world unless Kyler Murray has some sort of like freak catastrophe happen in his life that he's not on their roster as the quarterback. I think the agent helped from. him comprehend that though. Yes. Well, because I, just, I, I, well, I to, to like double down on this. I, I think where an agent helps Lamar in this situation is that Lamar is not haggling with Eric DeCosta over this. Is Lamar is looking at this as he wants it to be I want, oh, like I want this, you give me this, and we're done. Yeah. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want to get in the, into the emotions are high I, right now. He doesn't want to get into the nitty gritty. He doesn't want to get into it. He doesn't want to. I don't. He doesn't want to read a fifteen page contract and go over every every dot every i and, and a lawyer uh, baby cross every a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm saying like it, yeah, but I, so he went to the NFLPA. Like why? Like that? That was you know. If he's going for outside help, look at he's looking for somebody to explain to him the finer points of an NFL contract. Because I would, yeah, the NFL. This is this is and and you guys brought it up earlier, and I thought it was a great point. This is much bigger than Lamar Jackson. This contract is going to set the stage for the next twenty years because NFL players are fighting for the guarantees. That's why the PA is involved because they want these structures to change, and the owners are like, hell no. I've I've gotten so used to paying you, uh, being able to cut you right before your uh, guarantees kick in. We've gotten so used to that. I'm not. This is too violent of a sport for us to pay you this type of money guarantee. So that's where well, the clash is coming. The clash. The problem with the clash too is that like this doesn't happen with franchise quarterbacks. You don't get franchise quarterbacks that get cut after year three of their contract before the guarantees kick in. And so they're treating Lamar like this guy who's like you said is going to set the tone for the next twenty years, but. They're talking about Lamar setting the tone for that, you know, mid mid tier outside linebacker, and he's a franchise quarterback. Like, if they give him a contract that has two hundred ninety million dollars built into it, he's going to get all two hundred ninety million of those dollars. Like, you you can't use him as a um, as a leverage point for some fucking middle of the roster shitbag player who doesn't mean shit. But that's what the NFLPA is doing, and so the fact that he turned to them looking for contract guidance, like. They let him astray. Like they, they fucked him, you know, because okay. Lamar could have. You know ahead. what he should be doing? Lamar should say, I want $200 million guaranteed at signing, and I want my contract fully guaranteed for injury. Because that's the, like, where everybody wants to, to bring in, like, a, a question mark on him is, oh, the running, blah, 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 blah. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. He should say, all right, I don't need my, my, my contract fully guaranteed at signing. I need it fully guaranteed for injury at signing. Not performance, because this is where some. Uh, if you ever saw a quarterback get cut at some point, it's because of performance. They're not going to cut some guy because he got hurt, right? So if he says, "I want a five-year deal, I want two hundred million dollars guaranteed at signing for injury and performance, and I want three hundred million dollars guaranteed for injury," so he knows if he gets injured at any point during this thing, he's still getting paid. That I think should get it done. If it's, I think. If he's saying fully guaranteed, fully guaranteed is a tricky word. It's a tricky phrase because it is, it, it, you know, it, it's taking into account anything that could happen. Like, the, I, I cannot see a world where Lamar Jackson isn't a good player anymore. Like, his performance slips to the point where the, that he's not worth what he's getting paid. 
if okay. he gets hurt and he can't play, then fine. But then he has the guarantee against injury to ensure himself against it. So I think that is like the middle ground. Maybe, you know, who knows? I, I'm not part of the negotiations. Maybe, but maybe that's a stumbling block. Who knows? I, I hate to be the guy to go back to Flacco because, you know, the Flacco is dead and gone and like we should move on from him. But even if you look at his contract, he got every cent out of that fucking contract because the Broncos were willing to take a chance on him when he sucked, right. when they yep. wanted to move on from him. So, like, in six years, let's say, Lamar is not the player that we think he is. God forbid something happens, whatever. Somebody's going to take a chance on Lamar Jackson at 34 years old. Or I don't even know, 34? 31, maybe. He'll, he'll, so, he'll just be 30. 25 no, I'm, saying, I'm, I'm saying for the next 10 years, like, there's no point in NFL history that somebody's not going to look at what Lamar Jackson has done over his career and be like, yeah, fuck that guy. We don't want to pay him. Like, he's going to get another shot somewhere. So we can we can talk about a 10-year contract for Lamar, and even at the end, if the Ravens don't want him anymore, somebody's going to want him. So he's always going to get that money. It doesn't it doesn't matter who it's coming from at that point. Like, it, it's, it, it's this weird thing with quarterbacks where they're always going to get a second chance when they play like Lamar did. So he's not at any risk of losing any money other than for injury, like you said. So you fully guarantee his contract for injury, and then you move on. Because no matter what, he's either going to play somewhere else if, if they want to get rid of him in eight years, or you know he's going to play out his contract here. And it's going to be a steal because, like we said, the, the TV money's coming in. Like you know the new yeah. Sunday ticket deal that happens after next year, I just got refunded fucking 40 bucks from them for last week. They because should. that fucking... That, that fucking shit show of their shit not working. Like, somebody's going to pay so much fucking money for those TV rights, and the cap's going to explode. And so right now we're talking that's about... Another, that's another reason why the PA is involved, too, because what they're yeah. saying is today's money isn't tomorrow's money either. Right? No. And they, they, you know, the NFL PA wants to hold Lamar hostage, essentially, and have him not sign because every day that he waits, his price tag goes up. And so, you know... When we were talking about Lamar signing last offseason, you were looking at Josh Allen's contract as the, the comparable one. And what is that? I think that's like $41 million a year in average annual value. Lamar's up in the $50 million range, and he had the worst season of his career by far last year. So he's gained a $9 million AAV for you know having his worst year. And so if he waits another year, like he's going to be talking about $55, $60 million a year. Like There's just... The NFL PA Josh got one fifty guaranteed, and it looks underpaid right now, boy. That looks. Crazy. I mean, fucking Mahomes looks underpaid right now. I think that Mahomes guaranteed at signing is one hundred and fifty-five million. Pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. It was a ten-year, five hundred million dollar contract with like no guarantees built into it, and it's all about giving him the flexibility to opt out and resign in like three years. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, it, yeah. He, don't, he I don't know. worry about us resigning Lamar anymore, though, because I don't neither. think we're that silly. We're not that silly. One and two, like you guys said, it only helps our cap situation. We're in a dire situation with the cap. Um, yep, we ha- we need where to do I, something. Where, <laughs> where I worry is Eric DeCosta sealing the deal, and like I just don't trust him at this point. There's been too many situations of you know the the Darius Smith thing of him walking away. You know Eric almost DeCosta, like I've called him for years of. You know, we almost got DeAndre Hopkins. We almost got Diggs. We were in advanced talks for this guy. Like, just fucking close the deal down and just make it happen. Because, like, I get I get antsy and I get nervous that he's just not going to fucking, you know, seal the deal here. So just put pen to paper, call it a fucking day, and make sure that Lamar is here for the rest of his career. Yeah, well, my thing is this. I mean, 
everything in the NFL is a trend. So it's like you saw everybody from the 2019 draft class this past offseason was the wide receiver. Wide receivers were – they were acting like they were going to force a trade. Only one guy got traded. Everybody got paid except for Marquise because he's not going to get not going to get paid. I already I, I already told you guys, but I, I think he's going to sign a two year like uh, twenty trial million is right now, and he's failing yeah. the trial. Right, he's basically going to sign something that's like just below the the uh, franchise tag for his position. I think the franchise tag is like thirteen point two million, something like that. Yeah. So I think like um, he is he he's the exception, but you know all those guys, Debo, DK. AJ Brown, all those guys got paid, uh, or or in AJ's case, he did get traded, but he still got paid. Um, the quarterbacks, the guys that Lamar wants to get talked about in the same class with, um, I mean, they they don't move teams. Name one, they don't move teams. Also, Russell Wilson is the only one who moved teams. But, he's, got paid. but he's, he's not the same class. right? Yeah. So like the younger guys, and I mean, it, like Derek Carr, I guess is like. So he's like in the middle of it, but like he still stayed with his team and he signed. He's 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 in the 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 level below in terms of the amount of money he made. But Derek Carr got paid a lot of money for what he's done and what he is capable of doing. So it's it it benefits the quarterback a lot more to stay with the team they're at, especially when they've had success with that team. I don't I, I, like these people who are like, oh, he's going to go to Miami because he grew up in Miami, a Dolphins fan. He's a he's a grown man with a job. Doesn't matter what he, who he cheered for when he was a child. Play anywhere if the, yeah. if the if the bag is right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Matter. I think he would have loved to get drafted to the Dolphins, but he didn't. He got drafted to the Ravens. So and, was a Cowboys fan. Well, you're right, but I'm saying he grew up in Miami, so it's like yeah. But and obviously, so Dak played the he played the game of chicken, and I I think Dak won that game. But like again, that's another guy. He's a risky he's in the game same of chicken, like, though. It definitely right. his. You saw his ankle. Jerry yeah, didn't exactly. have to pay him. No, but he, but he played the game of chicken and but he Jerry, won. So and like Jerry, it doesn't, Jerry knew the right move was paying him. So right. I mean, again, oh, like right. you know, Steve Biscotti knows the the right move is to pay Lamar because no matter what he pays Lamar, he's making ten times that back on Lamar being there. Exactly right. So like, I just don't see it being realistic that that Lamar is like, you know what? I think it would be better for my career to. Uh, to not stay where I've been, where I've won a unanimous MVP, where I've been the number one seed, where my team has been, you know, considered to be a Super Bowl contender literally every year for the past three years, uh, and will continue to be cont- considered a, a Super Bowl contender every single year that he is here. And uh, I don't think I think I should leave, go to a new team, take a risk with a new offensive coordinator with a system I've never played in. I have to learn a new playbook. Why the fuck would he do that? That's such, that's so damaging to his career. So on the flip side, know, on the flip side, some would say that Greg Roman, um, and I'm not making an opinion here, but some would say Greg Roman might've hindered him because he did more in college as far as um, being a quarterback, like being allowed to actually be a, a, a pocket quarterback. He, right. He, there is an so evolution. There right. is an evolution. We're seeing it right now. We're seeing it right now. Just so this if year, Greg Roman can 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 just allow him to continue to grow, then you don't have that scheme question anymore. I, but I, you I, also agree, know, I agree with you. Yeah, point. we also know that the team, that any team, isn't like married to their offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator gets changed a lot more frequently than uh, 
you know, a generational quarterback. So like Harbs might Harbs might be a little bit. He's had, might, a, he's but, had a few opportunities to right. get him out of he here. He hangs on, but but he hangs on too long. But I'm saying like, you know, there is no precedent for an offensive coordinator being somewhere for 20 years. So like, yeah, you know, like it's hard Lamar, to can an offensive coordinator when by the numbers, it's a top five offense annually. Right. It, it, right, it is. It's a, it's a precarious situation that's, that's because, because of the fucking Spencer Schultz argument that drives me up a fucking wall. I want to yeah. punch that kid square in his fucking jaw <laughs> with his fucking you know Greg Roman dick riding. Like, yeah, they've they've been a top five offense. It's they don't produce in clutch situations when that offense Wait, needs not top five. Seven, yeah, when that offense needs seven points on the board or that offense needs three minutes off the clock, they don't do it, and that is one hundred percent Greg Roman's fault. Right, exactly, but. To my point, every elite quarterback in the league right now, and I don't consider Russell Wilson an elite quarterback. He went to a new team, and his team is kind of struggling. Uh, every elite quarterback in the league right now, especially young elite quarterbacks, so everybody, let's call them under 30, elite franchise quarterbacks don't just decide, you know what, I think I'm just going to head on out of here and go start start fresh awesome. somewhere else. Do you count Watson in that discussion? But that's a weird situation too. So I don't that's know a completely different, completely yeah. different situation. Completely different situation. Honestly, if you, if you get rid of JJ Watt and DeAndre Hopkins and you bring me David Johnson, I'm I'm out of there. <laughs> I'm right. out of there. Well, you know, right. if, well, if you're and you don't think that the Texans knew, right? The Texans knew about that all along. So there was, yeah. I mean, you know, that's right. why they paid him off. So, that's that's why they settled immediately. Deshaun Watson has no place in any any conversation about what's normal in the NFL. In, <laughs> in, on, in, in any way, his contract, him wanting out, his uh, proclivities, whatever the fuck you want to talk about with Deshaun Watson, it's not normal. Yeah. So, Stand with women. I Listen, I, I got nothing to do with Deshaun. I got nothing to say about him, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'll be yeah. saying fuck Deshaun Watson. You can get the fuck out of here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know what I would never say? We must protect Deshaun Watson at all costs. I would never say that, but anybody who has is a fucking weird person. It's just odd that she picked protecting him at all costs, given who he is. But you know, um, I'm not saying yeah. who said that. I just, I'm just saying, if anyone said that, that would be pretty fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> Questionable to say the least, man. Yeah. Anyone who would say that is just a strange person. <laughs> protect Jimmy G at all costs, too. I'm sure from that person. So. <laughs> Take Michael Parsons too, man. Oh God, <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know about that. Listen, I try to stay away from things like that. I mean, I found out. No. I was like, oh my goodness, he's a deviant. Yeah, no. Uh, when he got drafted, Ezekiel Elliott tweeted him and was just like, "No more hazing shit, pal." Yeah, like, on draft, like on draft, like draft. He's like, he's like, he's like, keep that yeah. shit at camp. Let's set some Zeke, uh, yeah. some ground rules here, okay? We're not doing any yeah. of that in this locker room. Zeke was like, the only thing we do around here is we, we pull girls' titties out at parades. Susceptible, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, wow. a, that's the same amount of suspension that Watson got, too. That's what Zeke got for that. Just, uh, you know. NFL is funny. Yeah, fuck Roger Goodell. Yeah, man, I, I definitely think the Ravens are in a good position with Lamar because, like you, like you guys said, we're seeing – I mean, we already knew his value – but sometimes you have to be reminded. Remember, we didn't see him for the last five or six games last year. So maybe we forgot, right? Like, and he stepped back on the field. He gained, what, 20, 30 pounds, and he's still running past defenders. It's, it's, okay, time to pay up. You, you know. that, that's a huge thing that I don't think – I mean, people talk about, oh, yeah, Lamar, look at Lamar. He beefed up. He beefed up. So, like, I think – I think I, I told you guys – I said this in, in private, but there was, there was a lot of chatter about concerns – 
from the Ravens about Lamar Jackson and the influence that uh, a now departed wide receiver was having on him and his uh, level of professionalism he was approaching uh, the team with. So, like, I think that's a valid concern. If that if that's real, and I was I'm not, sick of like, the stomach I, aches. I was I was sick of the pregame stomach aches, man. Yeah, like, right. So, right. So, like, so what I was told is that that receiver w- had way too much influence over Lamar Jackson and his behavior and his approach and everything else, and that that was voiced to him. So I was like, that. I mean, who, to me, who this was makes notably absent. At all of those offseason workouts prior to being traded, right? So clearly, but, clearly that message was sent and received. So I mean, that was that that when when Marquise, because that's what we're talking about. When Marquise was not at any of that offseason shit, I I, I kind of smelled the you know writing on the wall there of there was there was something going on there, and he didn't want to be here anymore. And well, I'm we know where he was though. Marquise was busy. He was he was he was uh, exploring his future as a, a yeah. professional gamer, right? I hope I hope that he writes a tell-all book and that he says that that's what stopped him from publicly requesting a trade. That would be my greatest achievement in life of fucking that guy up. Because, yeah. you know, okay. Just- so, you're right. So I was told that the front office, in no uncertain terms, told Lamar, "We think that this guy has has a, a negative influence on you. He was showing up late for meetings. He was missing or showing up late for flights, and it what he was with Marquise." So then I was like, all right, I mean, I don't like Marquise. I'll push that narrative for sure. No doubt. I don't give a fuck if it's true or not. But then Marquise gets traded. So I'm like, you know, I think there's definitely some teeth to this. But then Lamar in the offseason, he spent a lot of time with the wide receivers, working with them individually, flying them out, working wherever he was, uh, establishing rapport. He put on all that weight and putting on all that weight not like uh, EDC Burner's picture where he put Rex Ryan's belly on him. He, he put on good weight because he's still running just as fast, but he's also strong. I think the fact that he's that big is why we're seeing him under center so much and why we see Roman willing to do those uh, you know, QB dive plays, which I think is so fucking stupid when you have a guy as dynamic as Lamar Jackson to, to, to do that like over and over again. Um, but That's the analytics nerd. This I, is, I, promise, right. I promise you that's why they call those plays. That analytics weed from Yale. Yeah. This is Lamar Jackson showing the team and showing everyone else he's committed to evolving as a player. He went out and added weight because he, he's coach. not a uh, got his own QB right. coach. Yeah. He's not he is not a twenty year old kid coming out of school anymore who's gonna rely on his athleticism all the time. He still has all that athleticism, but he's also now a grown ass man who will fucking run your ass over. He's 230 pounds. He, I, I think his arm strength's gotten better. I think that's where you see like that dime he threw to, to Mark Andrews. You put on all that weight, you got a lot of weight behind your throw. You're going to put a ball right on the guy's numbers in a tight window right up the seam. So like, I think everything he's done this offseason has demonstrated all the things that the front office had a concern about have been put to rest. And then getting back to the, the comments, so this week from John Harbaugh saying that Lamar Jackson went out He's under center. He's making play. He, he's changing the play call at the line of scrimmage. We're giving him more freedom. That is, I think, a message to everyone that Lamar Jackson has changed. He's evolved. He's a better player. He's a, a guy in year five who is worthy of being called a franchise quarterback. He is also sending a message to Greg Roman. Hey, your quarterback is, is 
willing and capable to call the game. So like, buddy, you better be ready to do the same fucking thing. You can't be relying. I don't think it's any coincidence. He made those comments coming off that game because Greg Roman stuck to a, a game script that didn't make sense. And Lamar Jackson, before he started doing that shit, Lamar was, was doing everything right. So, I mean, Lamar's ready to be extended. He's shown every indication that he's a guy who we should have here for the entire duration of his, of his career. He's done everything right. I mean, any any criticism right. that any person has had of him has been put to rest. The only the only thing left is for him to win a championship or go to a conference championship or whatever the next step is. But like that's that remains to be seen because we're in the middle of the fucking season. You know, one thing, one thing that I took from the summer that I. I was actually happy about. I don't. I'm, I'll just say it. I'm not really the biggest LeBron fan, but when I saw him on the shop and I heard him speaking to, to LeBron about being a billionaire, um, you're only going to become a billionaire if you take your craft seriously. I'm not saying he wasn't taking his craft seriously, but you see the dedication that he's put into his craft in this right. off season. You know, like yep. his focus and the way he's going about his, just like you said, professionalism. The way he's going about just being a NFL quarterback is is night and day because, like you said, he's supremely talented. So he's going to be nice regardless. But now he's using his mind. Now he's now he's outthinking people, calling um, audibles at the line. You know, he he got bigger, so he knows like, hey man, like this is a physical game. I need to I need to be able to lay it on the way you know, um, uh, for my team as far as just you know, if I need that one yard, being able to not uh, get hurt when I get tackled or whatnot. Not just, just getting it by, by shaking a guy out of his boots, by running yeah. his ass over too. Or just being in the pocket and being able to stand right. strong and step up yep. in the pocket and make a, a throw that a quarterback would make. Um, I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what the future is because like I said earlier, we're not that far away. I feel like the Lamar situation is going to handle itself. And when that situation handles itself, I feel like the team, the morale, everything is just going to be ready for, there's no distractions anymore. It's just Super right. Bowl talk at that point. Yeah, yeah. And you're right about him talking about being a billionaire. He knows he has people around him. And we talked earlier, he doesn't have an agent, but he has people in his life that you know, can, can vouch for this. You, no one's going to become a billionaire based on talent. There's a lot of talented people in the world. George Pickens is one of them. I'm going to be a fucking billionaire, but you, you become a billionaire by working hard. So you're talented. And then on top of that, you work your fucking ass off. And that's where guys like LeBron, who we've all known to be talented from day one, you can like him or hate him. Guys work his fucking dick off, work his dick off. Fraud, straight fraud. <laughs> I second that message. <laughs> no, I, I mean Lamar. You know, again, that shut up and dribble comment that Laura Ingram woman made to Kevin Durant. Lamar learned that in order to be the most successful NFL quarterback, he has to shut up and play quarterback to an extent. And like he learned that, you know, I'm um, yeah. a generational talent, but I need to put that talent to work. And he spent all offseason. He didn't come to optional training camp because he was staying with his own quarterback coach to improve himself. Like that's the kind of commitment that you need from a guy who's going to take that next step from you know superstar to like legitimately the best player in the league. Right. And and I know I know Nick that you you are personally invested in this the shut up and dribble uh, movement. Uh, oh my you, goodness! You, right, but what I what I hear? Okay, my favorite Listen, line I'm, ever. My I'm, favorite line but, ever. But I'm gonna I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm gonna we're gonna get to the point where you're gonna agree with me here, Lamar. Right now, what Drew just said is absolutely true. Lamar Jackson right now does not need to be 
standing in front of a microphone and making any sort of political statement, any kind of statement that, that is like, uh, you know, trying to like start a movement. Lamar Jackson right now needs to do everything he can to be the best quarterback he can. That's it. Because guess what? After he gets paid and we get a couple of years down the line, he can say and do anything he wants that expresses his own personal interests and his own personal like passions, everything else. He can say all that stuff right now. He's a guy who turned down $180 million guaranteed because he knows in his heart, he's worth more than that. He's going to get exactly what he knows he's worth. And then he can tell everybody in the world, everything he thinks, everything he feels, whatever he wants to do, he can do that. But right now he knows damn well, the best thing for him is to focus on being a fucking football player. That's it. Man, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. I think, uh, you know, I was I've, I've I wanted to see how the work translated and what I've seen in the Jets game and the Dolphins game. I've seen improved footwork. I've seen the ball just hitting the numbers quicker. Um, you know, he's putting it on the money. That throw to Duvernay week one, it was just like, I don't know if he was making that throw, you know, his second year, even in the MVP year. I mean, like people were wide open. He was hitting them. But what is he was he really putting in the basket like that where somebody can just stick their hands out and just come down with it? It's just if he made that throw in those years, people would have been like, that was an accident. Oh, You know, like, oh, yeah, let's see him do it again. It's you know what I mean? Like his his anticipation has gotten so much better. Of like right. he now knows that his wide receiver is going to be in this spot, and that's going to be his throw to make, and he commits to it. I feel like Lamar was always, spot now. Yeah, whereas I feel yep. like in the past Lamar was always looking to play hero ball, and he doesn't really seem to be doing that so far this year. Uh, He's he, executing at such a high level that it's like the hero ball thing. You know, we know he can do it if we need him to. Yeah, we haven't been in that position yet, but he he and the reason we haven't been is because of him. He's on schedule. Everything's yeah, on schedule. Yeah, instead of waiting for the play to break down and doing something crazy with his legs, he's now making the throw before the play breaks down. Right. Like that's just a different second touchdown to Duvernay. He could have he could have really bolted right, but he mm-hmm. stepped up in the pocket and found his goddamn field. Yep. Yeah. Here's the second here's and the second the throw doesn't get enough credit. The second throw, if Matt Stafford makes that throw, or uh, or God forbid, Patrick Mahomes makes that throw. Herbert. My God, My they guy. would change the logo of the league to to Patrick Mahomes making that throw. I mean, he, <laughs> he did the he did the no look cross body, all that shit. So, he, you know, and you know, he got plenty of credit for it, which he deserves. I'm not saying that like w- Lamar needs to, to be the the poster boy for the league. I'm just saying like it was that Should level be. throw. It was that good. It was that good. So like the yeah. the the placement the placement on that first Duvernay touchdown in Week One was again i mean like elite it's not an accident and we saw it definitely not an accident because he did the same damn thing with uh mark andrews in week two but then that Even second touchdown yeah bateman it, the, that was a hard slam route to complete like it, fucking, it was. Fucking hit, him, hit him right in stride hit him in the perfect spot that bateman could just turn and go with the ball and all the credit in the world Bateman for being able to do that but yeah. i mean that was well, a, why, a, guess what and we we said that yeah and and you know why they have that chemistry? Because they worked together in the offseason. Because Lamar Jackson invited them out to, to Florida, to Arizona, and wherever else they were throwing. So, but, uh, but the second throw to Duvernay, the second touchdown, was it was like the, the culmination of everything Lamar Jackson is. It was Lamar Jackson making a perfect throw. It was Lamar Jackson doing something 
athletically that very few people can do. It was arm strength. It was accuracy. It was footwork. He climbed the pocket to even get to the point where he could throw that ball to begin with, avoided a pass rush. He did like that play, I think is like everything. It's like year five, Lamar Jackson is that throw. The one he made to to DuVernay, the second touchdown pass week one, that was the one where it was like, it's a complete quarterback. And another reason, um, back to Drew's point, well, both of your both of you guys' points, um, as far as Steve Bashotti is going to get ten times the value of what he pays Lamar, that's not just monetarily either. I don't think we've seen the best of Lamar Jackson. He hasn't hit a ceiling. If he nope. still can improve in year five, there's still untapped potential there that we have not seen yet. So we're not pace right seen is, the best of him yet. His pace right now is forty six hundred yards passing. 51 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 1,100 plus yards rushing, nine rushing touchdowns. So he'd have a 60-touchdown oh, season. No one's I, done I, that I, ever. I don't think you can ever put a ceiling on Lamar because there's never been a player like him in the NFL. There never will be another player like him in the NFL. Right. Like he's just he, he's that special. Like He's just something that we're never going to see again. That's why like every time people like they compare him to Vic, it really bothers me because – they only Michael compare him Vick. to Vic because Michael Vick and him and are the runs. only well, th- right? He's a black guy, and he he's runs. A pro, he's a prolific run, rushing quarterback, and there's the only guy who's ever put up the numbers that he has. They even the only ran guy, differently, right? Exactly. Yeah, Michael Vick was so shifty, and Lamar really? Jackson. You, there's not even a, a word to describe the way he runs the ball. But the the only guy I think is a fair comparison in terms of like the complete skill set is Randall Cunningham. But even Randall Cunningham. Like the body of work, it was so different. So Lamar Jackson's like, in order to compare him to anyone, you have to compare him to like multiple people, and you have to like compare him like in individual categories to different people. He, he's so unique. He could be as great as a Steve Young, probably greater. But but that's greater. like like Steve Young won a Super Bowl. He was a mobile quarterback. Um, you know, Steve Young sucked for four years before he won a Super Bowl. That's true. Like people forget true. that he went two and fourteen in Tampa, and he was fucking well, abysmal. That's though. why I want a Shanahan or a Kubiak. If you could get, if you could get Lamar in that West Coast, man, Ooh. get fuck, fuck the Shanahan family. I mean, so <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate them all. I know they got a I'm cousin just... or 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 a young son that they can we can hire, <laughs> yeah. man. Somebody, shit. Yeah, I mean, it's just John like Kubiak, Lamar- somebody. Yeah, I would take a Kubiak back. I mean, Gary Kubiak like needed to stay here after 2014. That would have been that, that solved all of our offensive coordinator issues. We're not dealing with fucking Greg Roman if Gary Kubiak doesn't have like a heart attack and then go coach the uh, Broncos afterwards. Yeah, but but nobody nobody's had Lamar's shiftiness and his speed and that combination, no. and then be able to throw the arm into it. It's just like, what can you do with him, man? I mean, Michael Vick is on record at least 20 times saying, like, Lamar Jackson is better than I ever hoped to be. And people right. still have that argument. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's like, Lamar Jackson is what I dreamed of at night. He's like, on my best day, I'm still not better than Lamar Jackson. People are like, no, nah, Michael Vick's better. I, I've never understood that argument. But doesn't, doesn't Lamar already have, like, he's already ahead of him in, like, several major yard rush games? Hundred yard um, that, that you know, career rushing record is almost going to be gone soon. Give it a year, yeah. you know, a couple of years. People forget that Michael Vick was like if you took Michael Vick's best passing season and his best rushing season, like combined it into one. Lamar's career averages shit on those. Like it, it, it's wild, but you know, like Michael Vick couldn't pass until he went to prison and then came back and played for Andy Reid. 
Um, and I, know, lo- I, I love Michael Vick. It's just, yeah, I mean, I just, he, he, he was one of my favorite quarterbacks to ever watch play the game, including the way he threw the ball. He threw one of the prettiest balls you ever see. The bullet. Yeah, yeah, he had, he, had a fucking, he had a fucking cannon. All of he his had a great, great release. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was beautiful, but it was it, like you said, it took a long time for him to get to that point. But when he was that, that game-winning touchdown that he threw to Deshaun Jackson when he was with Philly. I could watch that on repeat for hours on end. Like it was a fucking it's just yeah, a beautiful the, throw. I think yeah, the best ball he ever threw was that the first touchdown in that game. The fi- well, I don't know if it was the game winner. It was the one against the the, Red, the Redskins. They were the Redskins, whatever the, the Commanders now. It was that game, the game where he he I think he threw for six touchdowns, five or six touchdowns on Monday Night Football. The first the first touchdown was a play action. I think it was from like the nine yard line. So he threw the ball from, I think like the three or the two yard line. And it was beautiful. The, I mean, just yeah. the release on it. And, and it wasn't just the release. The guy was so goddamn smooth the way he did the play action. And then the roll off the play action and set the feet. Everything he did was cool. But like Lamar Jackson does that shit every <laughs> week, multiple times. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's insane. Like he, look, Michael Vick certainly set the table for Lamar Jackson, but he Lamar Lamar Jackson is a different and much better player. Yeah, it's it's just we we see Lamar do things on a weekly basis that we like take for granted now yeah. that we'll never right. we'll never see again in the next you know twenty five years. I mean, again, people love to like you you point out with Mahomes if Mahomes makes that no look pass. Brett Favre was doing that twenty years before Mahomes existed, and Aaron no, Rodgers is doing that. Don't, don't say Brett Favre's name. That guy who invested $5 million from Mississippi was doing that before Mahomes. Is that what Mahomes that, that, is going to do? That, that major volleyball done. Yeah. No, but I mean, in all honesty, like the, the throws that Mahomes makes are the same that Stafford and Rodgers and Favre have all. They've been doing that forever. We've never seen a Lamar Jackson. That's why, that dumbass, that's why that dumbass Tom, when he talks shit about Stafford, I'm like, my, yeah. Matt Stafford is an elite arm talent. Like, I think one of the best arm talents ever in the NFL, Matt Stafford. Jamarcus Russell, Jay Cutler. Like, I mean, those guys are all right. making those throws. Yeah. Except that there's been Matt a lot Stafford, of people paid Matt, off of Matt Stafford's arm. Yeah. Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford is like elite, elite arm talent. That guy is crazy arm talent, and he's been doing it the whole time. And, I mean, yes, he had, was a beneficiary of one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. Maybe the best ever if he hadn't re- retired so early in his career. But still, Matt Stafford was like, so Brett Favre was great. Matt Stafford physically, talented-wise, I think Matt Stafford's better than Brett Favre from a physical talent standpoint. Just that he was on such a, such a shit team for so long. Matt's, I've said this for a long time. If Matt Stafford got drafted, if we never drafted Joe Flacco and we just like were shitty for a year and we drafted Matt Stafford instead, we probably would have won two or three Super Bowls with, with Matt Stafford. He's so good. And I push back on the because uh, a lot of people try to like uh, put Calvin Johnson's greatness as a reason for Matt's success, and it's like without Calvin Johnson. First of all, Calvin Johnson had one of the best wide receiver seasons ever with Matt. But then when I double up and do that with Cooper Cup, right? And then it's not just them, right? Because they're great. They're they're awesome. Right. But Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, you know yep. what I mean? Like you could go down the damn list of people. A lot that of money's need- been made off Matt Stafford's back. Yep. 
And we talk about arm talent, like when I hear that he he needs Tommy John surgery and that's not a, a common football injury. And it's like, yeah, because he has that fucking golden arm. He could have pitched. He could have been yeah. a quarterback, like whatever you he, want. He could have did. He's like he's high school got, teammates of Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, he's got arm whip. He's got arm whip. He throws like a pitcher. That's why he's able to go roll out to either side and throw the ball at any angle. That's where the arm angle thing comes in. That's where like Patrick Mahomes, people want to suck his nuts every time he changes his arm angle. Matt Stafford's been doing that shit since two thousand nine. Literally. And I fought with both of them, but you know what I mean? I'm just keeping it real. Like Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford like probably that. could throw the ball underhand better than, you know, half the quarterbacks in the NFL. The guy's a fucking, I mean, his arm talent is crazy. Yeah, the only guy who had better arm talent than him was Jamarcus Russell, and he was uh, hooked on lean, so he doesn't really count. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Hooked, yeah. hooked on lean. What about and, Kyle and, Bowler? He threw he threw it through the uprights on his knee. Yeah, he, he had a Bill big Bill, arm. Brian, Brian Billett was like, ooh. Big arm and arm talent are two different things. Like a big arm, yeah. a guy who can throw the ball a long way is one thing, I but arm talent, I mean, Matt Stafford, is his arm was like made of fucking rubber bands. The guy could throw it from Justin any Herbert's angle. Up there too. Justin Herbert's up there too. Justin Herbert's awesome. I still, I, I don't think I, well, I definitely don't because my Twitter has changed, but Justin Herbert was my number one QB in that class by a mile, by a mile. Joe Burrow, get the overrated. fuck out of here. Overrated. Justin Herbert's overrated. We can argue with that about that, that for another that, like eight hours. That, that QB, no, that, Justin, that QB no. class is, is interesting now because now you got Tua and Jalen Hurts arriving. I still got Herbert, still different class, but Hurts is looking good. I'm sorry. He's looking fucking great. Hurts is better than Burrow. I'll die. That was overrated to me. I don't understand oh, how you stop. can put him in the oh, top ten after one run, and it I wasn't had, even a run because of him. Like but, <laughs> I had a in depth, probably four day long argument with Will about about Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield being the same quarterback. Baker Mayfield is probably better than Joe Burrow in my book. <laughs> I mean, now, again, you're, Joe Burrow you, is not good. You made this argument. Yeah, and I was. I'm 100 right. I will. I will die on that hill. I will. I will continue to fight that battle. Joe Burrow is 100% yak dependent. But again, this was, but this was also this. Hold on, this was this was like a a bastard child of a different argument. No, I said Baker Mayfield was better than Joe Burrow. I I, I still believe that, that. is a hot yeah. No, hot but I'm telling you right now, this was a bastard child of a different argument because it oh, was your RG three nonsense. <laughs> RG three is not was never good. Neither is Joe Burrow. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's the same thing. Is See, that, my, but, but the problem is this: I I don't ever want to admit that Joe Burrow is good, but he Joe Burrow had a good season last year. He did in his second he, season. If you look at his numbers and compare them to Goff's numbers, in what was that seventeen or eighteen, where the Rams went to the Super Bowl? Dude, I have it? like twenty seven tweets bookmarked of me yeah. arguing this with Bengals fans. I agree with yeah. you, but the numbers don't lie. Your argument was this. This is the original thing was I because where of where I live, Nick, you don't live in the thick of uh, Washington football fandom. People around here were treating RG3 like he was like a god in 2012. And I said, I've always said RG3 was never a good passer. I watched him at Baylor. He was a guy who would stare down his receiver. He was he had a big arm like he'll throw a fucking bullet he'll throw a ball through a brick wall was not like a he wasn't a guy who could diagnose a defense he he relied a lot on the fact that he was super fast so like if if he got an opportunity 
He missed his read. He got an opportunity and he got a seam. He's out of there. So like people, that's why when people compare him and Lamar Jackson, I'm like, you've never watched football in your life because they're completely different runners. That's why uh, RG3 tore his ACL because trying to change directions was a problem for him. He's a straight line runner. He's a a straight track. Yeah, exactly. Right. So my thing was RG3 was never good. He had a, a good statistical season his rookie year. He got hurt and then he never recovered from it. Drew's position was he never recovered from it because he was he never returned to form or improved on it because of the injury. My thing was he didn't improve on it because he wasn't good in the first place, and he was he, his. Is Joe Burrow good in the first place? Is the real question. But here's the problem: Joe Burrow improved significantly in his second year, How? coming off the same injury. How? How did he improve? He got Jamar Chase. What has Joe Burrow ever done in his life without a elite what? wide receiver court? In any level, the argument wasn't about like, who he was who he was playing with. The argument my my, my point is is that is that Joe Burrow is not the, the the end of the day point here is that you said RG three is not good. Joe Burrow is not good. It's the say it's the same thing. So Joe Burrow didn't improve on anything. Joe Burrow got better R- wide receivers around RG three. RG three. Okay, RG 3s career like his accomplishment, like his trophy case, is he somehow won the division for the Redskins that year and took them to the playoffs and then tore his knee to shreds. And then the, the only other pro the only other trophy he has is that he uh, won the only game for the Browns in like a, like 30 game span or something like that. He was like the so only what's, quarterback that- what's in, what's in Joe Burrow's trophy case right now is that he tore up his knee. He came back and then, you know, won a freak division took title. It, took the Bengals to the Super Bowl for the first time in 31 years. I think that's like yeah, much why? more notable why, than what. Why, why did he take I, him there? Because I Ryan Tannehill. I hate that. Ryan, Ryan, Tan- Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. Like, is that, is that Joe Burrow doing well? Look at Joe well, Burrow. Like, the Titans well, won that game, man. Yeah, yeah you know, Joe Burrow should have never been the, the Bengals last year. Never should have won the division. True, if you know we I hate Joe it. Burrow, but you know I hate Joe Burrow. Yeah, but you hate RG three too. I, I photoshopped him. I photoshopped him at the Charlottesville rally with a fucking tiki torch. I hate him. I don't know where he was on that day. He very well could have been there. That might not have been photoshopped. Listen, I want you to be right in this argument, but you're not. I am right, the, but I am right. Well, I but mean, you. What has Joe argument, Burrow done? The argument, what? the argument was specifically, specifically. I said, yeah. "Let's wait and see on Burrow," and you said, "Yeah." And then Burrow took his team to the fucking Super Bowl, and you, I believe you, in freak, in the freak circumstances. In, no, I now, can see the argument. I can see the argument that the ACL didn't hold Burrow back. That was the whole the argument. Same. Yeah, but the point is, is that they're not good. Neither one of them is good. Oh, fine, fine. So right, right now, let's settle the argument. The ACL di- and. Your argument was the ACL holds a guy back coming out of year one into year two because the development was stunted by the fact that they're rehabbing the injury. That was the premise of your argument. And I already gave you before, I don't even know why we even continued because I gave you the great example of Deshaun Watson who tore his ACL and was better afterwards. But again, that's a problematic guy. So, but let's just agree we hate Joe Burrow. Fuck him. He sucks, it, it, but he's it's not even a, it's not even a bias thing with Joe Burrow. He's just never been good without an elite supporting cast. I agree with you, but the ACL didn't hold him back. But again, if you look at RG three, did they add a Jamar Chase caliber wide receiver after after he tore his ACL? You're telling me that RG three couldn't dump the ball off to Jamar Chase and let him get half the yards? I mean, that's probably the not thing, because Jamar, Jamar Chase was like nine that year, so probably I don't think that would have worked out. No, I'm saying a, that that caliber of wide receiver, they never gave RG three that. 
I, I'm I'm telling you right now, if you look at Joe Burrow play, like he dumps the ball off to elite talent, and then they do all the work for him. Listen, so, man, I can show uh, you my bookmarks. I had this argument with about 37 Bengals fans. I'm holding off on coming for their necks right now because it's too early, but I have them bookmarked and I will come for them. I will. I was mad about and you guys Miami, man. I, I you guys will come oof. with me. In two years, in two years, the Bengals will be doing Joe Burrow like the Browns did Baker Mayfield because he is not that good, and he will be the one that inevitably holds them back from being a good team because they I have a. So. What do you guys think of their own two start? Because I feel like those losses are they're not they're worse than bad losses. You lost to Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. Their yes. games that they no. won last year. They're, they're games that they won last year that they aren't winning this year because they just yeah. they're not good. Here's where you know things are really bad over there. The, the Nazi uh, hasn't talked anymore. I, I was holding off on saying that aloud, but yeah. So <laughs> the the German guy is in like a world of hurt in a mental pretzel of his own making because he's having yeah. to choose between defending the Bengals offseason offensive line acquisitions against Joe Burrow. And I think he's like acquiescing to the fact that the the sacks are Joe Burrow's fault. And I'm like, hey, hold on to the fucking ball because he's not good at football. Is, but is it okay? So, but he's also insisted that Joe Burrow is this like elite guy. So, because he's he the primary. Remember that, um, what was his name? Sian Fahey, I think. The, uh, the, Irish dude who a couple of years ago like started watching football for the first time and came up with all these crazy quarterback rankings as like a brand new football fan. And I forget which quarterback he tied himself to, but it was somebody, I think it was like Jared Goff who had a great year that year and then fell off a cliff because he'd never watched football before. He had no idea what he was watching. It's the same thing with that German kid of he watched the Bengals for the first time last year. He's like, oh shit, this Joe Burrow guy's great, but he's not. And he's getting exposed now as not being good as being yak dependent and again, the the Bengals are playing a first place schedule. They're not playing against injured teams anymore. They're just not a good team, right? And I love the fact that he has to like have this mental war with his own like uh, past about yeah. is it Joe Burrow or is it the offensive line? He's like, oh man, who have I defended more the the offensive line acquisitions or Joe Burrow? And he, and and he's chosen to to throw Joe Burrow under the bus. <laughs> like, oh, it's Joe Burrow's fault that he's getting sacked. Like, I, I mean, mean, it could, I guess it could be, but like, I think it's an alarming thing. I don't understand how it looks worse this year as far as pass protection than it did previous years. Like, well, you know why? Because guess what? When you have a bad offensive line that's been there for a while, at least they know the protections a little bit better. But so, like, there's continuity there. So, they did such a like vast overhaul of their offensive line that they're relying on guys who don't know each other. And then you're relying on a guy who doesn't know how to not get sacked. There's a this guy got his knee blown out his rookie year. I mean, he he doesn't know how to avoid this. This is where pe- people who drive me crazy were like, "Oh, Lamar Jackson's going to get hurt because he runs so much." How about Joe Burrow got his knee blown out because he stands up tall in the pocket that is not mobile, can't run away from anybody, and his offensive line stinks and it always has. And now he's got a new one who doesn't know how to play together yet. And maybe they'll be okay. Maybe they won't, but they suck right now. So. I think the whole the answer is they both are terrible. The offensive line's letting guys through. The quarterback holds the ball too long. The quarterback doesn't know how to evade a pass rush. All of that's true. The Nazi is an idiot, and he's fucking arguing with himself, and he's wrong on both ends. 
He's so did, stupid. I fucking hate and, that and guy. Now, and he's an and idiot. Now you don't have, and now you don't have Jamar Chase um, taking the league by surprise either because the narrative about Jamar was, oh, he's, he, he, he has inconsistent hands. He's dropping passes in preseason. And we ain't got to worry about him. Well, he took the league by storm. You ain't having that anymore. Like We're putting two, three people on him. Now what? And it's right. that, except if they're jamming him off the line and they realize that Joe Burrow can't get him the ball down the field. So if he beats us 20 yards down the field, that's fine because Joe Burrow can't get him the ball. But if you give him a free release, he's going to catch the ball and he's going to take it 80 yards down the field because he's that talented. He's that athletically gifted that he's going to make guys miss. And that right. doesn't happen anymore because, you know, teams have learned that you fucking press these guys off the line. You beat the you fuck out of Burrow. them. And, and Burrow's not going to Burrow's going to hold on to the ball and not make the smart read. How because about this, not this a good year? Player. When we play them in week five, we're going to have Marcus Peters in his fourth game of the season. He's going to be, I think at that point, he should be game speed. He's going to, he should be like pretty well readjusted to Marcus, Marcus Peters. I think Marcus Peters, going, Marcus Peters, Peters is the guy we put on Jamar Chase because he's going to be as close to that line of scrimmage as possible. He's going to tell Jamar Chase as soon as you, as soon as a ball snapped, I'm going to punch you right in the fucking mouth, bitch. And he's going to fucking do that shit. And and Jamar Chase, did you see what he did last week? He was starting shit. He's fucking throwing the ball at people. He does yeah. that to Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters, I don't give a fuck if Marcus Peters gets thrown out of the game, but Marcus Peters is going to get in his head. He's going to get physical with him. And last year, Marlon wasn't doing that. He Marlon wasn't willing be, to. Is Marlon going to be the answer for T. Higgins? Yes. I, think, I don't know. I mean, is T. Higgins still an NFT? Because then maybe. You know, maybe we'll get more. <laughs> I think T. Higgins is a better matchup for from. Like, it's such a great problem to have. Like, oh, which one of our great cornerbacks we're going to put on someone? But yeah, no, I think that's a better matchup. I think Marlon on T. Higgins and Marcus Peters punching Jamar Chase in the face the second yeah, the ball snap. Yeah, let's <laughs> let let's see if let let's see if if uh, Joe Burrow throws for five hundred yards or, or two hundred. Let's see what he does. I'll take notes. No, so we we're in Baltimore, man. We're gonna stomp the fuck out of the Bengals this year. I promise that. Wait. You can you can quote me on that one. That's gonna that, that's gonna they fucking were, happen. They were talking so much this offseason. Oh, I've never seen an almost Super Bowl champion. I'm talking about a team that lost, right? I've never seen a team so that lost talk so much about how great they are, and then you come a out team that has Rush. only ever lost. They've never won anything. <laughs> They're not good. They're just they're a bunch of losers. They they are a bunch of front running pussies who don't know how to win big games. I have a, t- a, a I have a tweet out there for you to barely win the division last year. They shit on they shit on any Ravens fan that points that out, and it's not just like a, an opinion. There's like scientific charts that show that the Ravens' injuries last year were historically like exponentially more than any team in we ever led, since they've been charting it. We led the division for three fourths of the year, right? With, we, with led the, we led the we led the AFC. I, uh, so Until I have a tweet out there that I guarantee you that this tweet is in thousands of Bengals fans' bookmarks. I will retweet it right after we get off this podcast. I, I can't wait. I said, I can't I said wait <laughs> there is not one team in the NFL who's scared of the Bengals or Joe Burrow. That's my tweet, and I will retweet it tonight. I'm putting it right back out there. I bet you it's on a bunch of bookmarks already, and I'm going to put it in more because I, I think it's still true, and I want to put my money where my mouth is because – I'm gonna put it out there now, three weeks before we play them, because I'm then I'm gonna fucking retweet that shit right down their throats. I'm gonna be quote tweeting, tagging motherfuckers. I am not scared of them. No one is scared of them. Joe Burrow is a bitch. He definitely says the N word in private. 
We get revenge. We get revenge for the Bills. Actually, I want playoff revenge for the Bills. So I want my I want my regular season revenge for the uh, Bengals. I want regular season revenge for the Steelers because they've been fucking us up the last couple of years. And I want I want to get Miami back in the playoffs. I want to see them first round of the playoffs or whenever. Maybe we have the number one seed. Who knows? Maybe we see them yeah. second round. But I want to see I their think, yeah. in the playoffs. Okay, so I think the Dolphins, the Dolphins, I think are going to win a lot of games this year. I think they're going to beat the shit out of Buffalo this week because Buffalo's got a lot of guys out. But I think that yeah. Miami is in a great position to be like us in 2019, where they go to the playoffs and get their fucking asses run out of the stadium in 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 the first round because they're yeah, they're, they're a team that relies so much on this explosive offense. And by the time they get to the playoffs, everyone's seen it for for 17 games. So there's going to be a game plan in place. Anybody that's in the playoffs is going to have a, a team that, and a coaching staff that's capable of, of diagnosing what they're doing and game planning for it so i mean i think miami is one of those teams it's like yeah they made the right coaching hire they've added players they're i I respect them they beat they came back and beat us in a game that i mean i i I would and nick you you said the same thing i was fucking celebrating that shit i was like i would go to the i would go take a leak in the middle of the game and like smile in the mirror at myself like yeah we're fucking winning this game (laughs) i was fucking feeling myself and then I mean, what a fucking what a collapse! But I think that's a Thankfully, team. That's yeah, like, I couldn't. I wasn't tweeting during that game because I would have had a lot of old takes exposed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I, that I had them in my desk, Drew. I had them yeah. ready. I had them yeah. loaded. They're in year one of a window where I don't think it, they're a team that's like. It's not like last year with the Bengals, where the Bengals ramped up into like they ascended into this like situation where they ended up in the Super Bowl. Miami right now is going to win a bunch of games. They're going to get to the playoffs. And then I think someone's going to make them look silly in the playoffs, that offense. And then, you know, they're going to have to make some tweaks. They're a team. I think that like in the next couple of years is certainly going to be uh, a factor. I don't know. Yeah, if it's gonna be be with that, it might be, not be, be with that mix. quarterback. Yeah. It might not be with that quarterback, but I think they've they, like, they have a lot of the ingredients to be really good, but, but who are they going to get? That's I don't know. To I don't know. I mean, it could be a draft pick. I don't know. They could. They, you never know. Not, I don't care. <laughs> you never fucking know. You, I like in today's NFL, you really don't know. Who no. knows what fucking happens? But they they are a team that is very very good. Uh, I just I think they're a team that's also lost. They're going to go into the playoffs and suffer some sort of like debilitating loss. I want to fucking shove something down Mike McDonald's throat. Their head coach pisses me off. Like Nerd. that guy is. Such a fucking dork. Like, looks like he got shoved in a locker every day in high school. I don't want that guy being a fucking Super Bowl winning coach. So somebody's got to fuck them up. The other day, I, I I looked again at that picture after he got hired. People were people were like him and his wife on the plane. Oh, yes, that picture, and they're like, and it's like the Miami Dolphins have hired a black head coach, and it's like I'm just looking at this picture. <laughs> I mean, I and I know I've seen his parents' wedding picture. I know he's mixed race. I know that I know, and I I think I was actually one of the people who was like tweeting like at the people who were questioning it. But just the picture is such a weird visual. Yeah, it's, it's like it's such a fucking nerd. <laughs> it's just, but it's like it breaks my 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 brain doesn't comprehend what I'm looking at. This like okay, whatever. But the guy's a fucking incredible coach. For now, it's been two weeks. Yeah. yeah. He is an incredible like my, football mind. We'll he, see if he, it like can, translates to yeah, man. Yeah, he can draw it up with the best of them, but we'll have to yeah. see how he is. In that picture is an all timer. The picture is an all timer. All time brain breaker. <laughs> yeah.
I mean, I was looking at it like where I had to, you know, I had to keep yeah. scrolling because yeah. you know, <laughs> you're looking you know, in the, the background. The tweet, like, the tweet replies explained everything for me. I was like, all right, whatever, you got it. <laughs> yeah, I was just. Well, what are you Nicole, guys talking wait, about? What are you saying that wait, I what? don't see? <laughs> but whatever, man. What's that? The pilot? <laughs> for real. Same with some lady. That was fucking unreal. That's why Twitter's great, though. This AFC is gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting battle, man. Because uh, there's a lot of good t- good teams and good talent, and I think it's wide open. Um, but I like where we're at. With, I like where we stand in the AFC right now. Same, same. Yeah, I mean, me neither. Uh, conditionally, we need to this week make a statement, establish the run. Secondary needs to be solid. Lamar, keep doing oh. what you're doing. I want to be able to go in the office on Tuesday and tell every Patriots fan this is my dude. Right. And you know what? They're all expecting you to. Yeah. Not one Patriot. No one in New England is, is expecting the, the Patriots to win this game. No, I just want it to be ugly. That's want, something, like, a, though. That's a, that's a reversal of, of fortunes. Like, we, you would never go into a game with Baltimore or Pittsburgh or whoever as a Patriots fan and expect to not win. That is crazy. Nobody cared about them until 2001, and so we're we're getting back to that point of 01 where they wanted to you know leave and go to San or um, St. Louis. Like wow. they're just yeah they they're not they're not the top dog here, and like people love to act. What do like they, they think about Belichick? What do they think about Belichick at this point? Is, is they, it still they, a love affair or it's it's tough because he won six rings, so he almost gets like a pass. But like I mean, it, it, it's where he's earned it, right? Yeah. He's earned a pass, but they're they're kind of openly acknowledging that he gets a pass because he's Bill Belichick. Okay. Right. I mean, there's been some some very weird drafts from him. What, I mean, he had his dog drafting. Yeah, that was fucking another wild picture. <laughs> <laughs> his dog sitting at the computer making that pick. I was like, all right, this is uh Yeah, so I mean, that's that's kind of where they are at now, though. Is that it's uh, you know, if he hadn't won six rings in the past, I think they'd be outside of his house with torches and pitchforks, but. <laughs> They're, they're kind of letting it go. He he'd have been long since fired. Oh yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> Two years ago, hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. All, All right, we're gonna wrap it up. Yeah, great job, so great job, gentlemen. We'll uh, we'll be back. I don't know, probably next week. Yeah, for sure. Next week, Nick. Thanks for coming on. Um, Thanks, you guys. You know, yes. I think what? Yeah, I think I think um, what we're gonna do moving forward, we're gonna try and have on a guest. Maybe next week we're gonna do Tom friend tom first round pick i mean he's a controversial uh twitter entity um he does tweet some things uh about his friend that are upsetting sometimes and i you know so he he's on the maybe list because i don't know if i can have someone on here who says such hurtful things about their friend well i really just want to wait for patrick queen to have a breakout game to get tom on just so i can fucking shit on him for good idea I'll talk to him and see if he's willing to. I'll see if he's willing to come on and behave himself because I do not want him to come on here and say incendiary comments about another uh, very serious NFL analyst like us. Yes, yeah, who may or may not wear white robes on the weekend. I didn't say that either. <laughs> the other alter- the alternative is I know a guy. His name's Jimmy. I've never met him before. He- he's mysterious. I've never seen him, but I know like. Someone told me he exists. I'm going to see if I can get him. I don't know if I can nail him down. He, he's elusive. He's tough. To, he's tough to find. So no real, I, no real internet footprint. So going to be no tough. footprint. Once, actually, no footprint whatsoever. Like uh, even um, it, when he goes to the beach, 
when he goes to the beach, he doesn't leave a footprint. It's strange. So, you know, it's going it's to uh, put your investigative skills to the test. Yeah. So I'm going to look for him this week. If I can't find him, I'll, uh, I might call Tom, but it could be somebody else. We'll see. But I think we're going to try and have somebody else on every week. Nick, you might be a guy we have back multiple times who's been pumped. Maybe we could just replace Grant with Nick. <laughs> I mean, Grant, Grant can't even respond to a text message. I, I, I don't know. We might kick him off his own off his own uh, podcast. So Grant is my uh, George Pickens brother in arms. So I will I will uh, accept no slander of Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make a noise. Oh, Zone Zone Thirty Two Thirty Two.